Welcome into the Blazers Uprise Post Game Show. Here are your hosts, Tori Jones and Eric Brandt. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Blazers Uprise Post Game Show. The Blazers tonight have their second dominant performance in the past three games. They blow out the Memphis Grizzlies by a score of 116 to 96 behind a dominant, a dominant second half performance. The score at halftime was Memphis 57, Portland 51. In the second half, the Blazers outscored the Memphis Grizzlies by a score of, oh, my math's not that quick. I don't remember. Anyway, 65 to 39. There you go. Eric has the quick math and the big brain. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying your nights. This stream is going live a little bit later than normal because I was at the game. I was there in person, and I thought about leaving when they were subbing in the end of the bench with five minutes left, but I stayed, and I'm glad I, I'm glad <laughs> I stayed for some Lob City. Some yeah. exciting highlights to cap the game. That was enjoyable. And this is going to be a fun post-game stream tonight. Hope everybody's doing well. Shout out Andrew Miller, one of our biggest supporters. He has a $5 dono. He says, I'm warming up to Dennis getting some burn. Stotts would not have played Dennis Smith in a million trillion years, or Nas for that matter. Great game. And Dennis Smith had some good moments tonight. A lot of players had some good moments tonight. This was a night in which Damian Lillard shot, uh, continued to struggle a little bit. He went, what, 4 for 11 from 3, Eric? 4 for 11 for 3, 6 of 22 overall, I believe. What's crazy is last night, I forget who I told, but I said Damian Lillard is going to shoot 4 for 11 from 3 tomorrow. And I wish I tweeted it. I absolutely wish I tweeted it. Because I was that's, taking my performance last night, Eric. That's like Tory Jones percentage right there from dude, last night. <laughs> uh-huh. I, dude, I told somebody, like, based on how I shot tonight, because... I tweeted it out. If you don't follow me on Twitter, links in the description below. I said, based on how I shot tonight in my rec league last night, Dame's going to shoot 4 for 11 today. I told somebody that, and he shot 4 for 11, which is absolutely crazy. So I, I'm the Dame whisperer, I guess. Uh, shout out to, let's see here, Maurice Fenton for becoming a starter level member. Appreciate it. Alrighty. What's so, up, Andrew? What's up, Maurice? How you guys doing? Eric, what have you been doing since uh, the game ended? You had like 20, 30 minutes to <laughs> chill. Well, I actually got to watch a little bit of like the post game stuff mm -hmm. on TV, which I normally don't get to. And uh, I didn't set up my stuff until after the game. I usually try to do it by halftime. So I'm all ready to go. So, and then, yeah, I was just looking up some stats from the game and things like that, just getting my thoughts correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get those thoughts in a second. Shout out to you if you were at the game and came up and said what's up to me there is two separate people i'm forgetting one of their names now i feel really bad but uh one of them was ryan so shout out to ryan uh that was pretty cool that's the first time anybody's come up to me that's recognized me from the channel so that was a new experience for me uh appreciate you guys saying what's up because there's been a couple times where people have like messaged me on twitter or somebody messaged me on my personal instagram which i don't even use my personal instagram and said Hey, yo, I just saw you here. And I'm like, why didn't you say <laughs> something? So shout out to those who came up to me and said, what's up? That was pretty cool. Uh, anyway, Eric, what are your thoughts on the game tonight? Well, going into the game, my number one concern was the Grizzlies uh, lead the league in points in the paint. Uh, they average over 60 points in the paint per game. And do you know how many points they had in the paint tonight? How many points do they have in the paint? 30. 30 so we held the them to half of their average so far this year for points in the paint. 
the other impressive part about the defense was how well they defended John Moran because John Moran mm-hmm. was dominating the league, averaging 35 points per game over his first three games coming into t- tonight. And he definitely didn't score that much. Sorry, I don't know any of the stats off the top of my head because I've been rushing home to Vancouver since after this game. Let me pull up the ESPN.com box score here. But I know he had like seven, eight turnovers. We were swarming him in the paint. Yeah, we did a really nice job of uh, not letting him get all the way to the hoop. Um, He did a few times, but uh, overall he didn't really kill us. And some of his points were just off of wide open threes. And I think that was like the game plan to just, if you got in those situations, let him have that. If he makes it, you live with it. Um, He made made more threes than twos. He was three for six from three, five for 12 from the field, meaning he was two for six inside the arc for a guy that was averaging 35 points per game to hold him to 17 on that type of shooting night. He also mm -hmm. had nine turnovers. Yeah. So that was a very impressive team effort. He's, I mean, he's he's a good scorer, but he also shoots a lot usually. So to hold him to that many shot attempts overall, too, I thought was really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. Shout out Anime Jake $5 donation. He says, I'm happy with the win. However, I'm still concerned about the open threes. Is there a way the defense can still protect the rim and guard the arc? There absolutely is a way. What was your interpretation on that, Eric? Um, So I still feel like the Blazers pick and roll defense has been, I don't know if it's elite, but it's been very, very, very good Mm -hmm. so far this year. Um, And I think the focus has been so much on stopping the on ball stuff. Like we saw with John Morant tonight that I think the rest of the defense is what's going to take a long time to catch up. Um, So that's why we're going to be inconsistent. If it, if Memphis would have hit, uh, more of their shots in the first half, we probably would have been down by a lot more at halftime. Um, but also by design, I think like you live with guys like Kyle Anderson and Zaire Williams, who's a rookie, uh, like those kind of guys were getting open corner threes, but it's almost by design. Like it looks like you're giving up wide open threes, but that's a lot better than letting jaw get into the paint and get wherever he wants. So I think the game plan was to pack the paint, um, and make sure that uh, Memphis didn't score in that area because that's what they like to do, and it obviously worked tonight. Um, but a byproduct of that is giving up open threes. And we had some horrible rotations. Uh, they were a million times better in the second half, but um, <laughs> there was one player in particular who was absolutely terrible and gave up a ton of those open threes, which we'll talk about later. But um, for the most part, I thought the game plan was either to – live with them shooting those threes or um, our rotations were just bad after initially playing pretty good defense on the, on the back end. And that's going to happen when you're trying to learn a new defense. That's the last thing that's going to come around. Yeah. And honestly, from this game, like the defense in the first half was very meh. The second Mm -hmm. half was dominant in the fact that the Blazers can dominate a half defensively is scary for the rest of the league, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. Dame, Dame Lillard struggled to shoot the ball tonight. He was 4 for 11 from 3, but he was only, what, 2 for 11 from inside the arc? So he's still having inefficient nights. CJ even struggled a little bit to shoot the ball in the first half. He kind of got it going in the second half, but... Oh, they no, both missed some wide-open lanes. Yeah, too. those guys are missing shots, and the Blazers kept themselves in the game in the first half uh, defensively. It was mad, but the thing is, is they were second to worst last season. Last season... 
Memphis probably has 65 points at half instead of 57 uh, with the way that the, that the Blazers played a conservative branded defense, which Memphis, uh, you don't want to play conservatively against Memphis. And tonight in the second half, I think showed that. It's just insane how the Blazers can win a second half and win a game with defense, man. And the defense looks a lot better. And I don't know what we rank in terms of defense after this game. I'm sure it's higher. What were we going in, like 18th? We moved up to 18th, yeah. Yeah, before oh, this game? It's going to go way up, yeah. It's going to go up. Absolutely. Memphis was also the number one offensive team mm-hmm. in the league. So mm-hmm. um, this is going to shut holding them under 100 is really impressive. Whether it looked bad in the first half, I, I mean, I, I know it's it, 57 is a lot of points, but it really isn't that much to a Memphis team. And the fact that we did even better in the second half. Um, so before Memphis put in their their garbage players and waved the white flag, um, they had only scored 27 points in the first 19 minutes of the second half. So that's over a quarter and a half. We only gave up 27 points when we're a team that usually gives up 30 points a quarter, you know? Um, so, and Memphis is a team that can score easily 30 points a quarter. Um, and I just, I thought that one of the key adjustments at halftime was uh, a lot of the open shots they got in the first half. We played good defense, but they got so many offensive rebounds. I think they had 11 offensive rebounds in the first half and were dominating us on the boards 30 to 21 at halftime. But in the second half, all five players on the Blazers were all in the paint every time a shot went up and they were all crashing the boards. And I think that made a huge difference because until they got a bunch more rebounds than garbage time, so it kind of throws off the stats. But until those garbage time offensive rebounds, I don't think we had allowed um, but one offensive rebound those 19 minutes. So um, just a much better job of holding them to one shot per possession in the second half. And when you have good initial defense and you're not giving up second chance points on top of that, um, that, that's, that goes a long way to securing that defense. And then we're getting out and running a little bit too and getting some easy baskets and that helps a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. So this just showcases the ceiling of the Blazers, right? I'm going to talk about floor and ceiling a lot early on in the season. Hopefully our floor raises. Hopefully we don't have another repeat performance of the Los Angeles Clippers game last game, okay? Because mm-hmm. that was definitely very brutal. The ceiling of this team is is higher this year, and I think you're already seeing that because it's a team that hasn't really got going offensively yet, and they had some spurts and the thing is is like they only put together one offensive spurt for like a good five six minutes and just absolutely started blowing out the memphis grizzlies because they were defending that's the thing is the ceiling on this team is higher because they can play defense and they'll always have the capability to ha- go on an offensive run they'll always have damian lillard cj mccollum uh unless one of them gets hurt knock on wood right i shouldn't say always but they have those guys that can put the team on their back from a scoring standpoint and put points up on the board. I think Anthony Simons has developed into that this year. He had a mm-hmm. great first half of this game and kept the Portland Trailblazers in the game when the starting guard shots weren't falling. So if you can defend on top of the spurt ability they have offensively, they have the potential to put together a run even on elite teams. That's the thing is last year it was like the Blazers defense was so bad that other teams were going to go on a run. The Blazers had to go on runs just to stay in games. Now Mm -hmm. it's a situation where if they defend on top of that, they can take a seven-point halftime deficit and then midway through the third 
six six yeah math as i said at the start of the stream <laughs> no, i'm not doing math tonight um a six point halftime deficit and in the middle of the third quarter they're up double digits mm-hmm. or, or close to it so that's the thing is i think the ceiling is higher and i think this game at least the second half as well as the game against phoenix has shown that already yeah and in terms of offense i i mentioned this on twitter in the first half so we have a play where um dennis smith jr attacks the paint kicks out to cj for a wide open three he he misses it um and then cj a few possessions later got another wide open three missed it um there was another play where uh zeller got the ball in in the paint took a few dribbles kicked it out to dame in the corner who got an open three missed it uh, like even though those shots aren't going in it was great offense. Like we were doing, we were moving the ball. We were doing things correctly. And I knew eventually it would start to pay dividends. And in the second half, once those shots started falling, you could, the offense just completely opened up. Then all of a sudden they can't crash the boards and Nance and Zeller and Nurk are getting tons of offensive rebounds. And anyone who cuts is like wide open all of a sudden, because they have to go out on the shooters and uh, Dame was making things happen. Um, even though he struggled to shoot the ball, I felt like um, every other area of this game. Um, uh, once again, I'm judging Dame on his defense by whether or not he stands out as being bad. And I haven't noticed him much at all in defense. Like I, I don't even remember him playing defense very often. I know he had like a steal in the first quarter, but other than that, like I don't even most of the time I don't even like think about him on defense, even though I'm specifically watching for who's messing up on defense. So when I, I want to talk about Dame's defense for a second, because I watched him specifically, Mm -hmm. uh, especially during the first half. And when he's locked in, it's really hard to get by him. Mm -hmm. John Morant was struggling to get by him. That's the thing is like, anytime John Morant was able to turn the corner a little bit, Dame had good help, but he wasn't able to turn the corner a whole lot there in the first half from what I saw when mm-hmm. I was focusing on Dame. Like, Dame can move his feet. That's the thing is, I don't... Dame is not destined to be a bad defender. Dame has the physical tools to be a good defender. He has the mm-hmm. athleticism. He has a solid wingspan, about a 6'7 wingspan. Uh, he has the IQ. He, like, he has the high Q. You know what I mean? Is He needed to be taught how to get through screens, and he's doing that a lot better this year. I think that's a big part of it is because when you're guarding point guards, they're going to be running a lot of screens as the ball handler. You have to be able to get through them better. And I think he's getting through them a lot better, and therefore he's a lot harder to beat. Not only off the dribble, because I think he's locked in more this season, but also with ball screens, he's not getting picked off as easily. You know what's funny? We're we're obviously playing the big up higher on the screens, right? We're hedging those or showing on them and and then recovering back to the guy. Um, so Dame is almost always getting through those picks. So he's getting through clean, and he sometimes doesn't even need the big to show, which is frustrating to me looking back on previous seasons if he would have done that with the drop scheme it would have been so much better the last couple of years because um like we wouldn't even need to have pressure because dame would have gotten through those screens and half the time the ball handler wouldn't have had that angle to the basket where their nerk has to decide whether to come out on him or uh to guard his guy or whatever and so the fact that he's getting through those screens almost makes the hedge sometimes not needed, which can allow them to recover faster. So once they start recognizing, Hey, wow, these guys are getting through the picks. 
um, instead of just dying on them for no reason and just automatically accepting that they're getting screened and not even trying to fight through them like we saw the last two years. Um, I, I just think this team has multiple levels they can go to. They can either decide to trap harder in those situations and completely take the ball out of the ball handler's hand, or they can just uh, show really quick and recover where it's not even enough time for the the screener to get um, open on the roll. And I think the quicker those guys get through the screens, um, the better we are. And Dame so far has been doing an excellent job at that. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, if you're going to trap, you can't have a guard that gets picked up, picked off off of screens because the ball handler will just bring the big out wide. And a lot of times that results in you having to switch. Yep. You know what I mean? The other issue is if Dame is struggling to get through screens, is there might not be there might not be enough ball pressure in that point guard or ball handler, whoever, might have an easy time just getting the ball out of the trap or out of the hedge to the rolling big man who has nobody on him because Yusuf mm-hmm. Nurkic or Cody Zeller came up and played the screen high. So just because you have help at the point of the screen from the big man doesn't mean that the point guard can just get picked off by the screen. It's yep. just you can you're not as worried about the guard turning the corner, right? A lot of times, if you don't have help, you got to get up over that screen and then you got to bust your you-know-what to get back in front of the ball handler so that they can't drive all the way to the rim. If you have help, you don't get put in a position where you have to get above the screen and then run downhill and try and cut off the ball handler. You're able to kind of get up over the screen and you know, the ball handler, if he's contained, is still kind of right there. You just stay attached to his hip and then try and fight back in front on the perimeter. So it is a little bit easier with the big coming up at the point of the screen, but also you still just have to get through that screen. You have to get skinny or you have to position yourself in a way where you can stay attached to the ball handler's hip. And after years of watching Damian Lillard just run into screens like they weren't even there and then crumple, uh, you know what I mean? It in previous years, there was a lot of situations where he didn't even seemingly know the screen was there or didn't really care to try and get through it or had no clue how to get through it. Like, his navigation of ball screens was horrible. Absolutely well, horrible in previous years. It's so much better this year. Yeah, both him and CJ, you didn't even have to screen them at times. That's how bad they were. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just had to act like you were about to screen them and they just automatically get wide and stop yeah. before the screen even happened. And that's just, when you do that, you're you're already um, at a disadvantage on defense. So just the fact that they're not only not getting screened as hard and fighting through those, but they're actually getting through a lot of those screens uh, quickly and cleanly. Uh, I think that's, uh, a huge um, knock on the previous coaching staff. And I think that's a, a very good sign for the future of this coaching staff that they're teaching them the right way to get through this. Yep. Let's catch up on some donos. <laughs> yes. Appreciate Anime Jake for the last one. I also appreciate Tom Fisher with the $5 dono. He says, love Ant, love Little, love Nance, love seeing Dame making a few finally, but come on guys, give me a 30s breakdown on Barnes game winner tonight. <laughs> a 32nd. Yeah, 32nd <laughs> breakdown on Barnes game winner time. I haven't seen it. I haven't Barnes- seen it. Barnes took down the Suns with the shot at the buzzer. I'll have to see the Valley Pause reaction to that, Ben. (laughs) Barnes is, I mean, he's like in the conversation for MVP right now. This guy is playing unreal. Yeah, it it shouldn't last, but yeah, he's, (laughs) 
he's playing like the guy people thought he would be when he was going into college out of high school. Cause in high school yeah. he was like number one player close mm-hmm. to it by a lot of rankings and uh, hasn't really developed into the type of score that a lot of people envisioned of him. But this season he's kind of looking like that. So a late bloomer, I guess uh, Harrison Barnes is Tom Fisher's guy. So uh, I'll, <laughs> He look, he's looking good, Tom, and I appreciate the donation, man. Hopefully we don't let him get eight threes next time we play him. <laughs> Shout out Caleb Pendergraft, $10 dono. He says, a good win. Been really impressed by Nas and Ant so far. Also just accepted a great job offer. So I wanted to give some of that money to help keep Blazers Uprise going. Congratulations on the job offer, That's Caleb. Cool. I'm happy for you. Not, not because, you know, you'll be able to donate a little bit more money now i'm happy because <laughs> you seem like a great guy i don't know you it'd be cool to meet some of you guys someday and i was able to meet a couple of you tonight but uh you uh you always have good dono messages man so congrats on the job offer happy to hear it for you shout out andrew miller another five dollar dono he says when's the last time stots emptied the bench for a blowout win chauncey has done it twice when was the last time and maybe the end of the I mean, season. I mean, it happened a few times. But it was times, against yeah. bad teams. We've done it against the Grizzlies and the Suns, Eric. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've had garbage time in three out of our four games so far. Um, but I guess it's better than having every game come down to the end and having your heart ripped out half of those times. And uh, so for my long-term health, I guess it's better to not have to have that, those mm-hmm. fourth-quarter moments where we're uh, – hanging on every moment that happens in the game but uh i'd like it if more of the outcomes were in our favor uh so hopefully that's a trend yeah hopefully man fingers crossed for that because i enjoy some lob city at the end of games shout out near zero twelve five dollar dono he says i'm so happy that we saw different defensive schemes tonight i'm happier to see the team come out in the second half and play better on both ends and eric i don't know if you noticed this but it almost seems it seemed at times that they were playing a little bit of drop scheme on Morant. And that's one of the guys where you can play a little drop scheme on. You don't want to go under screens and let him completely set up camp from the three-point line, but he's not a guy who shoots mid-range pull-up jumpers at all. It's like he'll take his time shooting a three or he'll go downhill towards the rim. So he was always one of those guys where it's like, you know, it's okay playing a little bit of drop scheme on him. And it seemed like... At times, especially in the first half, no, especially in the second half, we were playing up on the screen against everyone but John Morant. And then on John Morant, we were playing a little bit of drop scheme. And it was kind of hard to really like tell. Like It wasn't something where it was the same thing every time down the court. What was well, your interpretation? Did you see that? Dude, how long have we been begging for this? I think like one of the first questions on our first mailbag we did together... <laughs> um two and a half years ago right was what do what would you like to see differently and we both agreed you have to mix up coverages right you can't just run the same thing against a guy like john morant Mm -hmm. every play and expect it to work every time or like a majority of the time and there these players in the nba are way too good to to do the same thing and make it that predictable so um i did see a little bit of drop tonight um not as much as you but i think what happened was if the guard got through cleanly, they were fine going over the top and that it was working out with yeah. the with the show of the big. If the guard got held up and all, he just 
went under instead of going over or trying to fight through over. And I thought that was a brilliant strategy because like you said, you can get away with that on jaw. And then if jaw did get into the paint, the back, the big was backing up. So it looked like drop coverage, but like jaw doesn't shoot a lot of long twos. Mm -hmm. He either likes to try to get to the rim or he shoots the three. So, um, I thought that was that was really interesting the way we played that, and I thought it was was really perfect because um, when he drove, he was driving into a wall for the most part, and uh, he was, you know, hesitating to pull up on those long twos. Um, you know, he made a couple shots where he like gets into the paint and you know spins and fades away and stuff like that, but you can live with that. Um, he, he's like I said, he's a good player. He's going to make some shots. It's not like you're going to completely shut him down. So, um, yeah, I like that they mixed it up, uh, did different things, but it always seemed to be, for the most part, the right thing in the right situation. And that's something we beg for is situational basketball. Like, you can't just run drop scheme. You can't go into the game being like, okay, we're playing John Morant. Let's run drop scheme against the Grizzlies. Because then what happens when, you know, Desmond Bain's running the pick or, you know, anyone else, It's you have to play it differently. So, I feel like we have specific game plans for specific players because we didn't do that really with anyone else in the game tonight. So um, I, I like that we seem to have an extensive deep game plan and these players are showing that they are capable of handling it. And imagine, you know, 20 games from now when they're used to having all these different game plans and they know exactly what to do against some of these guys. It's they don't have to think about it while they're doing it. Um it's, it's going to be that much better. And, and I, I think this team is headed towards being around at least 10th in defense the way they've been playing so far this, this year. Because, I mean, honestly, against the Clippers, their defense wasn't terrible either. They actually moved up a spot in defensive rating after that game. Yeah. So, um, like, overall, it, it hasn't been that bad. I mean, you know, they got killed by the bench and they need to play better defense than they played in that game. But – um it's also hard that's when like you're turning worst... over the ball 30 times right. to play defense yeah. like that plays I, a part in that yeah i mentioned that at the in the post game show it's like they only had 14 fast break points off 30 turnovers which is incredible yeah that uh we are still getting back on those turnovers well here's the other here's the other problem though like is even if we get back in it's not necessarily a transition bucket like a fast break point yeah. a lot of times in order to contain the fast break we get cross matched and we have to mm -hmm. pick up different guys and then those are matchups that they can exploit in the half court so uh it's hard to read too much into it defensively with a game like that i mean tonight they look like a top 10 defense the second half they look like a top 10 defense and uh what was what was the rest of your thought because i i have something an argument for something go ahead you can go okay here's an argument i'll make to Anybody that says that, oh, they shouldn't switch up the defense. Last season, Eric, remember how many times the opposing offense would go off in the third quarter? Mm -hmm. It was always a theme. And my argument is this. We were running the same defense throughout the game. And sure, they oh. might have, you know, game planned for it and prepared a bit for it. But at halftime, opposing offenses were making adjustments based on what they had seen in the first half against drop scheme. They were seeing what was working, seeing what wasn't working, and then the second half, they would figure out how to exploit what was working to a higher extent and would go off in the third quarter. 
because we would still run the same defense. That's one of the arguments I would make for switching up looks tonight in the third quarter. Eric, how many points did Memphis have? They had 20. 20, yeah. And then 19 in the fourth, so it continued in the fourth quarter. After a 30-point mm-hmm. second quarter and a 27-point first quarter, 57 in the first half for Memphis, they have a 20-point third quarter. It's complete opposite because we were running different stuff. Yeah, and uh, to finish off your points off turnovers point from a second ago, so the Clippers only had 29 points off those 30 turnovers. Tonight, Memphis had 30 points off of our 13 turnovers. So Memphis actually outscored the Clippers against us on points off turnovers with 17 less turnovers. That's that's crazy. So cut down on some of those live ball turnovers once again. And um, I, I thought we did that in the second half. That's that's the difference. I mean, it got sloppy at the end. So those numbers are kind of skewed once again. All the numbers are from five, six minutes of garbage time, you know. But, um, yeah, like, cut down on those turnovers just a little bit, man. And um, I wish 13 isn't bad, but, um, like, overall, uh, that's going to improve the defense even more. And uh, the thing is, I also saw people saying, um, oh, yeah, look what happens when you try to move the ball. It results in more turnovers <laughs> or whatever. You know, that stupid logic. Dude, I want to go in on that, but I want to get some more donuts out of the yeah. way because that's a whole nother conversation. All right, we'll save that. that for later. Yeah, let me let me get through the donations because yeah. I definitely have some words for that. Uh, shout out to New Zero 012 for that $5 dono. Shout out Eugene David for the $10 dono. He says, Tori, since your Dame's Whisperer clean up your shot, Eric... I'm hoping you're Nurk's Whisperer because he needs some confidence and help. If anybody would be the Nurk Whisperer, it'd be Eric. It'd be Eric yeah. Brandt. You don't uh, want that responsibility? No, I'll, t- I'll <laughs> gladly take the responsibility, but man. I don't know how to put this nicely, but people are way too hard on Nurk. It's like he, he shot four times in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. He One of them was a three-pointer, which he missed. So he was two for three at two-pointers, right? Yeah. And all I saw at halftime, Nurk's the worst finisher ever. Gosh, if he ever shoots another lay-in again, it's like stupid. He misses every single one of them. Blah, blah, blah. And then, um, <laughs> you know, second half, he was like dominant in the third quarter, like finishing-wise. Um, and getting to the free throw line too yeah he got to the line eight times four of those were in the first half i felt like instead of flipping up some shots he normally would he actually went into the defender and created contact and got to the lines which i think is a really good adjustment for him uh going into the night he was shooting almost 89 percent from free throw he was only five of eight from tonight but you'll take that um if he's getting to the line eight times i think that's a good mm-hmm. sign so um like nurk had just He'd thrown down a dunk and gotten several um, points in a row <laughs> off those nice uh, rolls. And uh, I hear like people like Shervin being like, man, Nurk is so soft tonight. Like, it's like, dude, people, like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, this is what I was talking about last game. Like, people, like, think Nurk fever is, like, so much different than what Nurk's doing now. And it's not. It's <laughs> Dude, if Nurk- this was Nurkic's first game, Eric, for the team... 
people would be so hyped, like, oh my goodness, he went six for eight, including six (laughs) for seven from two, got to the line eight times, and had 17 points in 23 minutes, also had eight rebounds, three steals, and a block. If this was his first game, people would be like, oh my god, this dude's amazing. But for whatever reason, the narrative is he's trash and soft and all this stuff. Because that's like 25 and 12 for per 36. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the dude was... Dominant off the roll. He was rolling extremely well. He like here's the thing is like some bigs will set great screens, but they won't roll quick enough. And some bigs will just set lousy screens so they can roll quickly. That was Assad Whiteside was the latter. He sets great screens and then he rolls quickly. And then like when he's going up strong, he went strong every time tonight. How many mm-hmm. flip shots did he shoot? The only like finesse weird move was the one where he like Euro stepped, almost got stolen, but like he still finished that strong. Yeah. Well, there was, there was the one, too, where he loses the ball on a nice pass going up, and then he kind of gathered. and But he tried to dunk it, at least. He tried to two-hand dunk it. He yeah. got fouled and went to the line. But yeah. So if he catches that cleanly, it's probably either an and one or a clean dunk. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, you can't – he's going to – he's not perfect. He's not. He's going to lose the ball every once in a while. But, um, yeah, and then I heard, I heard he was, like, trash defensively, and I have all these people in my mentions talking about how bad he is on defense. Nurk was perfect on defense outside yeah. of there was maybe two times in the first half where I thought he showed just a second or two too long on the on the screen, and that led to um, uh, his guy being open down below. But for the most part, when they went on their um, – offensive rebounding sprees and stuff like that it wasn't when nurk was in the game and for the most part the open threes um that were given up were not because of nurk being out of position it was because of our power forward being out of position and uh we'll get to that (laughs) later once again but yeah um, i mean i I thought nurk was was almost perfect in the first half defensively um and, and he was even better in the second half defensively in my opinion and i just I don't understand why people are so hard on him. He's playing. I, he was he was absolutely terrible last game, but so was everyone. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, I, so I mean, had outside one of real maybe, bad game this year. But but like, I mean, to to support that narrative in a game like tonight, like I just don't get it. It, it makes no sense to me, and I'm getting really sick of people saying that or like oh i thought nurk wanted this role this year like look at him now like he can't even play basketball he sucks and we should trade him and all this stuff like no that none of that makes any sense and we're not even i don't think we've implemented any of the stuff we're going to implement later in the year utilizing his passing ability like billups wanted um i think we're still trying to figure out the defense and we're focused on that because we're not utilizing his playmaking skills as much as we should be. So when that starts happening, I feel like he's going to be even more engaged, but um, I think Nurk's been really good defensively all season. And I, I, I think you're not paying attention if you think otherwise. Yeah. I mean, even when you switched out onto guards, he did a good job, like mm-hmm. c- containing them, keeping them in front of him. He contained John Morant off of almost every pick and roll. Mm-hmm. He was hedging. And, and the you thing know how is, hard that is? Dude, it's so hard because, like, Morant is so quick. He's a threat to split. Nurkic did not give him that gap. And it's really hard to, like, not hit, give him the gap to split and then also not let him turn the corner on you wide. Mm-hmm. And he took away the gap to split. And then when Morant would try and turn the corner wide, he was moving his feet and containing that as well. 
and then Dame would get back to Morant, and he was recovering to his guy. Like, his timing on all of that was absolutely phenomenal tonight. But, like, a lot of people don't know how to notice that stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's that's what we're here for. We're here to try and explain that type of stuff for a, a, a lot of people. Um, and when he's he, bad, we'll call it out like last game, too. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's the thing is there's a lot of nuances to defense that are hard to notice. And... The little things he does well, little things like that. So that's why John Morant was two for six from two. We're talking about a guy who's been popping off, popping off. And a lot of it has been him doing damage as a slasher, finishing inside the arc. And Nurkic was the biggest reason we contained that. And even if Nurkic got switched out onto him, he still wasn't getting beat. Nurkic was phenomenal defensively tonight. This reminded me of like a pre-injury Yusuf Nurkic, like dominant defensive game. And then he's six for eight and gets to the line eight times and tries to take everything strong. Dude was as good as you could ask from him tonight. He was very, very good tonight. And it's just frustrating how people like are almost looking for anything to just bash him over. People need to be fair fairer to Nurkic, man. Him and CJ, I swear, people just, just go off on, and I don't understand nope. it whatsoever. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't... You can't just go from being a horrible finisher to, like, great just because you want to finish better. So, you know, like, you have to learn and develop good... Um, I hate to words, use the word habits, but, like, um, it's as simple as... Uh, we talked about this. I forgot who asked the question. Was it Zach or I forget who asked last game, but is it maybe a, an adjustment is to get him the ball higher. And I, it actually looked like we were trying to do that tonight outside of that one pass that he fumbled was of course down low by his feet when he caught it. So um, I felt like that adjustment really uh, helped that. And, and then also you can, if you finish, like I talked about, he was trying to initiate contact instead of, a lot of times you try to sidestep that guy, might get a charging foul, uh, might might get um, might miss on those little flip shots. But tonight he was just going strong, but not in like an uncontrolled way. He was going at the guy defending him and um, going up in a way that was, the, the player basically had to foul him. And th- so those are adjustments that as he sees those things working, like throughout the season, it'll get better and better. So hopefully we're talking about his finishing improving because of these things. Uh, but I thought he was he was much better in terms of not trying to rush shots or or flip them up tonight um, when yeah. he went out there. Yeah. People and I, kill- Go ahead. I, I also want uh, – so there was a play uh, early in the first half where him and CJ ran like a side pick and roll, uh-huh. and CJ got into the paint and kind of threw up a shot and he missed it uh, – I think we ended up getting the rebound and scoring, but um, Nurk was wide open on the roll. And um, we talked about this last game, how we never get them um, like lobs or our, our bigs lobs in, in the mm-hmm. dunker spot, you know? Um, so An example of that is, uh, let me just throw this in here. Larry Nance Jr. missed a dunk that should have been a lob and it was a bounce pass. Yep. yep. The one he missed should have been a lob. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was the perfect play to get Nurk a lob and then, how much we're like is if we get him like one of those plays a game which are open mm-hmm. um especially when cj draws all that attention um so hopefully uh when they look back at film they'll start to realize that those lobs are there for 
uh, most of our bigs in those situations and you don't have to take it upon yourself to score if you're a guard every time yep yep people are killing it with the donations tonight so let's mm-hmm. get through all these then we'll yeah. go tweets of the game then we'll go team stats then we'll go we'll talk a little bit about the offense then we'll head into players mm-hmm. all right uh shout out eugene david that was the last uh don't know daniel g Something. Daniel G, $5 dono. He says, is the new victory cigar Ellaby to Brown Alley-oop? <laughs> I think that play was... I think it was Dennis Jr. It yeah. was, no, it was Ellaby to Dennis Smith Jr. to Brown. Oh, yeah. It was two great passes leading up to that alley-oop. Dude, that was so fun, especially after the Nas dunk, man. That was the most hype the crowd had been all game. The crowd loved that. Uh, just a Brown alley-oop from anyone is yep. the victory cigar this year because we don't have any Kelvin Bledgens for whatever reason. It's a brown alley. Well, do you know the reason? What's the reason? We have 13. We can always suit up 13, and we have... I thought, I thought the two-way players didn't count towards that. No, you, you can always suit up 13, but last year we pretty much had only 13 at most of the times, you know, because Zach was yeah. out, and we only had 14 people on the roster, so there was okay. always someone else missing games, you know, yeah, Dame yeah, yeah, and, yeah. or CJ, and Nurk missed a ton of games and all that, so... Yeah, we 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 had to suit him up. It's Actually, just, I think last year we could. Last year the rules were a little different. You could suit up f- fourteen or fifteen last year. We only had twelve suited up today, though, because yeah. we have normally fourteen plus the two two way guys is sixteen, right? Mm-hmm. But the two two way guys weren't suited up. Snell wasn't suited up, and Norm wasn't suited up. Yeah. So we only had twelve suited up. I don't know why we That's didn't suit weird. up one of the two way guys. That didn't make sense to me. But mm-hmm. appreciate it, Daniel G. For the $5 dono. Connor with the $10 donation. He says, we are a lot more dangerous inside. Good to see that type of play fuel comeback rather than just raining threes. And I 100% agree. We took the grit and grind to the grizz, Eric. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful to see. <laughs> Shout out Shaggy Squid. Five Australian dollar dono. He says, CJ's defense has impressed me. If he consistently does this, I don't see a point in a Ben trade anymore. This is Shaggy Squid saying this, Eric. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Roko facepalm. Everybody else was great. Good win. Wow. Shaggy Squid has been a leader on the CJ for Ben Simmons bandwagon. And that's the thing. If CJ's playing defense like he has so far this season, uh, then it I have to reevaluate everything about him and his trade value and what we should trade him for. Because I was willing to trade him for Siakam, but if he's playing really good defense, like, I don't know. This team can, if they, if they can be a, bo- a borderline top 10 defense, then they can be a contender in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. offensively, they'll still be a top team in the league, especially with CJ on the team. So it just comes down to being a borderline top 10 defense. Imagine when Dame starts hitting shots too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. CJ didn't even shoot out. He was 8 for 21 tonight. He shot below mm-hmm. 40% from the field. So did Dame. And we beat the Grizzlies by 20. Yep. Without Norman Powell. Okay? Like, it's 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 legit. Like, this team can... We've never been able to win games when CJ and Dame shoot bad. Mm-hmm. And we won this game by 20. So, this is the signs of growth that I expected under Chauncey Billups. Appreciate Shaggy Squid with the five Australian dollar dono. And yeah, CJ did fall asleep a few times early on. That's, mm-hmm. He was one of the culprits of giving up a few open threes early in this game. But the other player he mentioned, Rocco, I don't want to be negative at the beginning, so I'll wait till we get we'll to get the to individual players mm-hmm. um, to, to talk about him more in depth. 
but yeah, he was he, he was probably the worst part about tonight. Um, but other than that, I think CJ played pretty good overall defensively, um, especially in the second half. He was way better in the second half. Um, but yeah, just got to cut out those um, times falling asleep or out of position. And uh, CJ appears to be um, one of our better defenders this year, which is crazy to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. If it's, if his lapses are just here and there, that's a lot better than what it's been in the past. Also, I mean, we have been a top 10 defense with Damon CJ starting before mm-hmm. it, it has happened. It's not. And that was with playing one scheme the entire year. And, um, you know, I mean, we had Aminu and Harkless, but, uh, like, I don't think our personnel was like worse than it was that year. I think it's better, especially our bench personnel is better um, than it was like three years ago. So uh, I I think we can be fine. I've always said this. If you have good schemes um, and good interior defense, I think the perimeter defense, uh, you can be good with pretty much anyone as long as you're not making stupid mistakes. Um, and, uh, once we clean up those stupid mistakes, man, I think this team could be even better defensively than we thought. And Dame and CJ can be a part of that together in the starting lineup. I, I don't believe anyone who thinks automatically just because of their size, um, that automatically discredits them from being that way. Agreed. Shout out Mills Woes, $5 dono. He says, how do you guys feel about the zone? I liked it a lot and think against the Memphis team who isn't the best shooting team at works. That's a great don't know message Mills Woj appreciate the donation against the Memphis team is that's that is the right team to play zone against especially when they don't have a Dylan Brooks out there who can get hot from three when they have Kyle Anderson John Morant uh Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't really look to shoot today and he was in foul trouble they got Steven Adams out there that is the type of team that you run zone against because they get a mm-hmm. lot of points in the paint and they attack the rim and if you run zone you can kind of collapse on that and uh Everything they run kind of goes out the window. They have to run different stuff. So uh, I love that we threw that wrinkle in against a Memphis team, right? Last year, it was like Stotts would throw in a 2-3 zone on baseline, every baseline inbounds, no matter who we were playing. It didn't make sense. It's like that's the only time he'd switch it up. It would give an open inbounds. three every time. And every team knew it was coming. And the thing is, on a lot of baseline inbounds, you set up for corner threes anyway, which is one of the harder things to guard in a 2-3 zone. So it, did not, it didn't make sense from Stotts. And it's like, I'm so glad we're not just sitting here like, yeah, Chauncey ran a 2-3 zone against the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't think Chauncey's going to run a 2-3 zone against the Golden State Warriors. There's certain teams you can run it against and have it work. There are certain teams that'll pick it apart. I like that Chauncey ran it tonight and seemingly didn't run it against teams that you can't really run it against. So it seems like Chauncey just has a good feel as to what schemes, what defenses will work in certain situations and against certain teams. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on the zone um, because in the first half, we ran it with our second unit a few times. And that's when the there was that play where they got the four offensive rebounds. And so if you have players who are not good at finding a guy and boxing them out, the zone, I think, can be really yeah. bad well, we were <laughs> in also certain situations. Guards. Yeah. Um, that's the other problem. However... The second half, they make an adjustment with it, and our rebounding was fine every time they went to it, and we actually got stops with it. So I think overall, I'm not a huge fan of the zone at some of the times we used it tonight, but 
I'm a huge fan of just throwing a wrinkle randomly in games. And the zone is a good way to just coming out of a timeout or something, just throw off a team by, uh, they had a play, uh, heard mentioned this on the broadcast. So, um, there was a play where we ran zone and Memphis had a play out of the timeout for a man defensive scheme. Mm-hmm. And it, and it completely didn't work because we were in zone and, uh, um, the, or the correct zone, I should say. Uh, but I think we ended up giving it up, up an offensive rebound on that possession. And it was a shame because it was so, it was just so, such a, a nice thing to see a scheme, uh, yeah. like get a stop basically on a scheme versus just um, playing good defense or whatever. You know? Yeah. I would just say if we're going to run a zone, have Nas at the three, you can't run a three guard lineup and the zone because then it's really tough <laughs> on the rebounding. Remember, uh, so I forget if this was yeah it was last season. Um, there was like that random game where we had like three days off, and then we played like a we played a zone like almost the whole next game, mm-hmm. and it did okay. And then we tried it the next game, and it just got torched. And then we like never saw it again, like as our base defense, you know. But that's that's what I've been talking about, and that's what, something you've stressed too is you can't just run a zone the whole game. So, like, we can't just have a game plan, like, oh, against this team, we're going to run a zone, and we're going to run it the whole game. Like, you have to do it like Chauncey did tonight and mix up um, an array of zone and man-to-man coverages and different coverages within those systems. So um, that's why I love mixing it up, because we completely baffled Memphis, and they had no idea in the second half even how to get points or what yeah. to do to attack to attack our defense. And that's, it's just, uh, I, I love seeing that, man. It's, it's just, it's so great. Um, and we're going to have games where teams are smart enough or someone gets hot. Like, um, you know, there's going to be a Luke Kennard who we leave open because of our scheme and he hits a bunch of threes or something. Um, so it's not going to work against every team the way we played tonight. Uh, but for the most part, I think you can – get away with it as long as your initial defense is good and you're mixing up the coverages. Yep, agreed. Shout out to Max Dang, $5 dono. He says, Big Handsome with more minutes than Nurk. If you're confused as to who Big Handsome is, that is Mr. Cody Zeller. We'll talk more <laughs> about Zeller when we get to his player card. Uh, he had a great game. I agree with you, Max Dang. He says, Carrying Curious. us to the win as always. Flex emoji. Uh, appreciate the dono, Max. Andrew Miller, $10 dono. He says, quote, They just made shots actually applied a couple times tonight good defense they just made the shot not that they just made shots because our defense sucks <laughs> well mm. put well put um sometimes and, you the thing is is like we just made shots was used to excuse our poor defense the mm-hmm. only time you should ever say hey they just made shots is if you play good defense and they make a shot yeah well That's the i mean we heard stats actually say that their their scheme is to give up an open shot and hope they miss like a mid-range shot you know and uh that's like the other team's best player that's not like a secondary player that was coming off a pick and roll of the best player on the other team so um knowing that um it's just so nice that for the most part so far this year we've done a pretty good job on whoever um i mean paul george was hot early on in the Clipper game, but I think he finished like six of 16 overall. Um, uh, we, we did pretty good on Booker and we've completely shut down Chris Paul. 
Uh, Darren Fox didn't have a huge game in, in the first game. So um, the primary ball handler of every team we faced, I felt like we've done a pretty good job so far on. Yep. Agreed. Appreciate Andrew Miller with the $10 dono. Shout out Dro for the $2 dono. He says basketball is a game of angles. Nurkic looked good. Nurkic looked great in my opinion, but I'll take good after everything that I've heard of him in the mm. past couple of games. Appreciate the $2 dono. Dro, shout out Shaggy Squid, another dono, two Australian dollars. He says, Nurkic was great foul-wise. Can we talk about that? And he he picked up his first foul in the second half, Eric. And it's funny because when they said it was his first foul, I said to Connor, who was at the game with me, I said, wow, man, I thought he couldn't play without fouling out. This is only <laughs> his first foul? How did that happen? And that's the thing. He's playing more aggressive on pick and rolls, picking up less fouls. Everybody said, everybody that was criticizing the idea of playing Nurkic more aggressively on pick and rolls said, oh, he'll just end up in foul trouble because of it. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not seeing that. He's not fouling more than normal. And tonight didn't pick up his first foul until like midway through the third quarter. So uh, good point. Shaggy Squid, great donation. You guys have a lot of good donation messages tonight. And you guys are killing it with all of them. So I appreciate it. And you guys are really contributing to the conversation tonight. Mm -hmm. Shout out JM1231, $5 dono. He says, happy to see Nas get some run. And this is coming from a Duke guy. Hope all is well, fellas. Appreciate <laughs> JM with a $5 dono. Of course, Nas went to North Carolina, which is the rival of Duke. Both play in North Carolina. Appreciate it, JM. And I appreciate you putting that college rivalry aside to root for some Nasir <laughs> Little. Speaking of college, it was good to see Brandon Clark play in person. I'm a Gonzaga fan. I've said that a million times. But it's also good to see Killian Tilly get a little bit of run, even though he did absolutely nothing tonight. Yeah. So shout, out to, <laughs> shout out to him. And then, do you want to say something? We got, oh, uh, we got one more. We're almost uh, caught up. Yeah, I'll wait for the Nas thing for the... Yeah, individual yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll talk we'll talk about players and the player card shout out gray hughes investigates ten dollar dono he says what do you think about Nas just straight up taking over for roco when powell comes back love smith too he needs more quality minutes with that second unit he and nance work incredible together and i'm not ready to stop starting roco like people need to be a little bit patient his struggles don't really make sense and it's not something that i should be that you guys should be super worried about i think he'll figure it out and be completely fine uh the defensive issues don't make sense from him whatsoever so um i expect him to be able to correct that he's a smart defensive player and he'll he started slow last year shooting the ball he had a month last year for an entire month he shot 50 percent from three and played phenomenal defense so when he has it going he's a phenomenal defender and an insane three-point shooter he's just streaky on like a month-to-month -month basis right I do think Nance deserves some of his minutes. I want to wait to get to that. I will have a more in-depth discussion about that when we get to Rocco's or Nance's player cards. All right. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. Gray Hughes investigates with a $10 dono. All right. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Tweets of the game. Let's jump into these. Shout out to my guy, Khalid, who caught me at the game. We took a picture. He says, met the legend himself, tall as she in real life. And that was one of the first things he said to me. He's like, wow, you really are tall. I didn't think you'd be that tall. I'm like, I tell everybody I'm 6'4", and they think I'm lying or something. I don't know. Guys, I'm really 6'4". I'm not lying. I'm not adding inches. That's 6'4", barefoot. And uh, I'm really 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, 6'5 six, and a half, 6'6". Six, six. Are you actually 6'6"? Six, six? 
barefoot i'm like six five and seven eighths so, round yeah. rounding yeah. rounding yeah i can respect that rounding that's that's good math Eric. <laughs> I mean, that's good math yeah. you've been good with the math tonight i've been bad you're supposed to round up from there not down uh but that's what jackson said when jackson met you is he was like yeah he's a lot taller than i expected it's like <laughs> guys we're not lying we're not insecure about our heights this is just what it is <laughs> so i appreciate uh appreciate Khalid who uh Caught me after the game. I was walking up the stairs, and he was just right there. So I appreciate nice. it, man. That was pretty cool to meet you. And then we got Evan. Our young core actually will be the next Lob City. It was Lob City at the end of that game, man. I can't wait to look at the highlights to see how that looked like on TV. I'm sure the ESPN commentators were talking about something completely different compared to the game. But uh, nonetheless, it was a fun way to cap off a fun night being there in the stadium. Shout out to Evan. Skinny SC says... I love Larry's activity both defensively and off-ball offensively. He's always doing something, hashtag Blazer Surprise, and it was really good to see Larry Nance finally have uh, a good game for the Portland Trailblazers, and I'll talk about why he deserves more minutes coming up. And then shout-out to Evan again. Ant this offseason, it's a bag. Ant's going <laughs> to get paid if he keeps playing like this. And yes. I think it, we're going to have to start talking about what Ant deserves money-wise, Eric. That's... Not a topic for this stream, but maybe a topic for an upcoming episode of Blazers Uprise Live. Because the way he's playing right now, some team is going to pay him a lot of money. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, like, I'd rather him be insanely good for us and get that bag. You know what I mean? And I'd be happy for him to get paid like that. It's just, it's going to be a tough conversation when we're talking about paying another guard potentially $20 million a year. So, it's going to get paid. <laughs> that's no doubt. Yep. We'll talk about that when it comes, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, see, that's like a whole 30-minute conversation, man. That's a that's an in-depth one. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. Let's just look at team stats because I haven't looked at these yet. Yeah. Um, Memphis only shoots 57% from the field, 34% from three. Uh, 37? 37% from the field, 34% from three. Mm -hmm. Right? Is that what I said? I thought you said 57. I was like, whoa. Maybe I did. I don't know. <laughs> Chat, let us know who's right on that one. Uh, 9 for 19 from the free throw line. They could not make a free throw. I could have shot better free throws than that, Eric. Ball don't lie. 48% ball don't lie. That's I was screaming it inside the stadium, man. Uh, maybe not screaming it. I was pretty subdued this game. Uh, yeah. There was, a, there was a cute girl right in front of me. I didn't want to yell at oh. her. Uh, <laughs> look at the rebounding. 21 offensive rebounds for Memphis. You don't like that, but they weren't able to finish off a lot of them. I wish they yeah. kept track of like, oh, they do have second chance points, but off of what we do this for, we get this off of ESPN. And for some reason, ESPN doesn't list second chance points. So if somebody in chat knows second chance points, uh, let us know. But if I recall correctly, they didn't convert many putbacks. Well, they had 11 in the first half, like I said, and then at least five or six of those, I think, were in garbage time in the last few minutes. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, no, outside of that stretch in the first half where we were terrible on the off on the defensive rebounds, um, I think we shored that up at halftime and we're pretty good at the second half. And we were it was thirty to twenty one rebounding at half two overall, so we we're twenty nine to eighteen in the second half. So, um, or no, that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we were. Uh, 20 uh 27 to uh 20 
I guess, in the second half. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So we out-rebound him in the second half, so good adjustment. It up. That helped our dem- dominant uh, second half, yeah. For the, for the record, though, uh, Memphis was number two in the league going to this game in offensive rebounds, so that's obviously going mm-hmm. to continue. And they were number one in offensive rebounding percentage, so um yeah they're they're a good offensive rebounding team they have a lot of active bigs um but yeah uh i felt like in the second half it was much better yeah definitely and a lot of those offensive rebounds it seemed like came on the same possession where they'd get two or three even um and a lot of them came against three guard lineups that we were running out there so once we get norm back uh and can move Nas to the backup small forward spot we'll be able to play less three guard lineups um people will call norm a three guard lineup but i think we rebound better with dame cj norm than we do with like dennis smith jr and pretty simons and cj mccollum so that should help a little bit uh and then if we're gonna run some zone it'll be a little bit easier i think i don't know it seems like some will do more with the bench unit i could be wrong um but if we run more zone with the bench having Nas off the bench instead of having Nas in the starting lineup will be able to help us rebound a little bit better out of a zone when it's tougher to rebound uh other stats to look at 46 percent for us from the field 42 percent from three so a good three-point shooting night for the Blazers <laughs> finally they also get to the line 31 times 31 free throws they make 23 of them uh eight of those were Nurkic Dame got to the line a few times I felt like Dame should have gotten to the line more than he did I felt like mm-hmm. there was a couple times where he did not get calls that I was surprised that he didn't get but we were able to get to the line and outscore the Grizzlies by 14 points from the charity stripe so that's a pretty good number largest lead was 26 eight point lead for Memphis in the first half uh that didn't end up mattering so 44 points in the point paint. It's good to outscore Memphis by 14 points in the paint, Eric. I think that might be the most. Uh, that and the fast break points, I think, are yep. the stats that jump out to us at the most. Because Memphis is a quick-paced team that gets into the paint a ton. So to be able to outscore them in both those areas is very impressive. Yeah, so Memphis led the league in fast break points last year mm-hmm. and are so far this year, small sample size, but they were tied for sixth. Yeah. Um, so to hold them to seven points uh, – I think our transition defense outside of the first game has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, I can't stress enough how impressive holding them to half of their average of points in the paint in this game is is just a, a tremendous effort and game plan by the team tonight. Yep, agreed. Alrighty, uh, But a lot of that was, like Trevin points out, was garbage time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there any other team-based things you want to talk about or you want to hop into the players? Uh, let's go to the players. All right, let me go here. This, oh, Eric's gone from that screen, so let me fix that. Yeah, the camera. Oh, Eric's camera. What, what is going stuff. on? Yeah, Jeez. it's just the it's just the Zoom. We switched over to Zoom. Me and Eric used to do Skype as the video call, and now we do Zoom. And Zoom does weird things when we uh, start back up the stream sometimes it like removes Eric for absolutely no reason. I don't know why. So let me get Eric back on here and we will talk about players. Um, already you got a question or two in chat while I do this. Is there anything? I'm looking there. Sure. Mostly talking about your, you should have asked that girl for her number. <laughs> I knew chat would. I knew chat um, would go off. Jackson that, and yeah. Trevin confirmed that you said fifty-seven percent. So. Did I say fifty percent? Oh man, 
See, I believed you, but uh, I've been tripping over my words more lately. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's all the graphics I'm doing. Uh, I don't know, man, but we should be good to go here with... Let's start off with... Uh, start off with CJ. I think that's... There we go. Fit that. Cool. All right. There we go. We are good to go on this. CJ McCollum, 25.6 rebounds, 2 assists, 8 for 21 from the field, 4 for 9 from 3. So a good 3-point shooting night. Uh, CJ and Dame both struggled inside the arc. Got to the line 6 times, which is a good number for CJ. Normally it's about 3 times a game. Also gets 2 steals and a block, plus 23 in 32 minutes for CJ. Yeah, uh, outside of missing some shots, I thought CJ was pretty good in this game. Uh Still, like I was talking about earlier, I'd like to see him pass a little more out of those situations where he doesn't quite have a shot. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought this was a good game from CJ. Um, and eventually some of the some of those three C miss were wide open. So I like that he's getting clean looks too, um, despite how hot he is shooting um, for the year. Uh, so if that continues, we're just going to absolutely punish teams, um, especially once Dame starts hitting as well. Yep, agreed. Uh, let's talk about Dame. I am excited to throw him up here because he finally hit some threes. Uh, he started 2 for 24 on the season. He's 4 for 11 from 3, Eric. I called it last night. I <laughs> I think I told Sude. Sude. Sude's not even in here, man. I wish Sude was in here to vouch because I think that's who I said. He's going to shoot 4 for 11 tomorrow from 3. I should have tweeted it, man. Come on. 6 for 22 from the field. So that's not good. He got to the rim a lot and like a lot of his finishes barely rimmed out um it's nice to see him hit threes though he shoots i think that's about 37 percent 38 percent and hit a couple dame-esque threes a couple step backs i noticed he's missing a lot of threes short and mm. i want your take on this a lot of people are saying that he's injured and he's performing this way because he's still hurt with the ab injury that he aggravated during the olympics what are your thoughts on that well first of all today vouches for you in chat he's here let's go <laughs> um yeah so there was that rumor that uh it was bothering him um so that was an injury that dame says he's had for years and that it comes and goes and it does bother him from time to time and uh the report was that dame wasn't getting his lift his normal lift on his jumper so i went back and kind of compared some of his shots and i don't see that i i think he's getting his normal lift he's just missing shots like i, I don't think it's anything different and dame's certainly not the one that's going to use excuses during the slump either so he's not going to say if he is hurt or not yeah but um i just i go back to if you have an injury in your core, um, I, don't, I just don't see a lack of quickness. I feel like his his defense is still fine. Um, his uh, his burst getting to the basket, um, I think is fine. I, I, there was a point today where he wasn't trusting it as much because he wasn't scoring. Mm -hmm. But um, once he got over that, he was playmaking out of that. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't. I just don't see him going up for like a poster dunk like he tried to do on 
pick up a Zubach or something last yeah, game. Yeah, we're talking about him not getting a <laughs> lift. He almost had the yeah. dunk of his career. Right. So, I, I don't know. I, I just... I, I think it just gets in your head after a while, after you miss a few. And um, I think a game like tonight, even though he didn't shoot well overall, I think right next game or two, I already guarantee that he'd have a good game sometime this week. I don't think this quite qualifies, even though other than shooting, I think he was really good tonight. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still think he's due for a monster game and those those shots are going to go down. And it might be, I'm hoping it's against the Clippers because we're probably going to need him to play a little better uh, to do that. This game was my call. Your call is coming up later this week. I'm yeah. betting on it. Uh, but his passing has been impressive this year. That drop-off dime he had over his shoulder to Nurkic was beautiful to watch mm-hmm. because I'm, I was on that side of the court, so I could oh, see nice. it like straight on, man. It looks super sick from the viewpoint where I was mm-hmm. at because um, it looked like he didn't even like look at Nurkic. He just knew he was there, flipped it over his shoulder. Um, you, it was probably easier to tell if he looked or not on the TV, but from where I was at, I was like, dang, that looked like a no-look over-the-shoulder pass. His passing has been impressive this year, and I think there's mm-hmm. a chance he averages nine assists per game this year. Uh, he has a lot of shooters around him. I think the most offensive talent he's ever had around him, and he's doing a good job of playmaking for others. So that's the thing is he, if he plays defense, which he played good defense tonight, he passed well tonight. Uh, he can have a bad shooting night and still have a positive game. This was a good game from Dame. The thing is, is like, People only determine good games from Dame just based on how many points he scores and how he shoots. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. But 10 yeah. assists and good defense, you will take that. You will absolutely take that. And the thing is, is like he's still garnering a lot of defensive attention. You still have to get out on him. He can go 0 for 10 and he's still going to be an elite floor spacer off the ball because you do not want to let him get going or get an open shot. It's not a situation with a Russell Westbrook where you almost want him to keep shooting threes if he's missing because he's a brick. Dame ain't a brick, man. Dame can miss 10 threes in a row, and the defense will still respect him and will still mm. pay a lot of attention to him. And that attention can be used to get other guys cool. going, can you be used to space the floor and whatnot. So something that I think moving forward, this is going to be something that they exploit a lot. There was a play where Dame drove, um, got to the baseline, and kicked out to Ant for a wide-open three. And there was another play a few plays later where Dame got in the middle of the paint. Um, He ended up getting fouled, uh, but he was about to turn around and kick it back to Ant for another wide open three. There was no one within like 10 feet of Ant. And Anthony Simons is automatic on open three-pointers right now. They're going in every time. So if Dame can get Ant those quality open threes, the defenses are going to have to adjust eventually. You cannot leave Ant wide open right now. So as Ant gets better and continues to just be scorched earth from open threes, um, like that's going to eventually open up the floor for Dame or we're just going to keep on kicking it back out to Ant and he's going to make the other team pay for focusing so much on Dame. And I'm more than happy... And I'm sure Dame will tell you the same thing. If he averages like nine assists, like you said, and it's because other players are hitting shots and he doesn't have to score as much, um, and we win by this much because of it, um, he will take that every time. Yep. Uh, speaking of Anthony, he's up next. Let's 
up over to him. Uh, what was your thoughts on Anthony tonight? You just talked about his scorching three-point shooting. He's five for seven from three tonight. What was he shooting going into this game? Uh, I think his shot from three kind of bad last game, so it was down to like 44, 46% or something. Um, oh, it says 38, 38%. It's probably back up to 46% or something like that. I'll look up. I'll look it up and do the math because I'm curious. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so... I mean, the two he missed were, like, step back, yeah. uh, like, late in shot clock ones. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he was one, you know, one for three on regular field goals. But that one, so, I mean, we've we've seen this now at least once a game, I think, this year, where he mm -hmm. takes the ball up the court, gets by the defense, gets all the way to the hoop for an easy lay-in. Um, whereas I, I don't remember much of that at all his first three years in the league. So, um, and he said that after the game that it's a, it's a point of emphasis from the coaching staff to make sure he's taking advantage of those situations and using his athleticism um, and giving him the confidence to do that. Uh, and he also, uh, <clears throat> I don't remember if it was a coach or if it was Ant, but uh, someone mentioned how they're telling him to shoot right now, but eventually uh, it, like for the most part, the shooting, the shots he's taken are the right shots, but eventually that's going to lead to him being a better playmaker as well. And uh, yeah, I, I just love the way Ant's playing. I want him to play all the minutes right now. Like I just, I, I think that he's, he's in the middle of just an absolute breakout right now. Yeah. Yeah. And we all knew he had the ability. Now he's getting, I think, higher quality three point looks after this game. He's shooting, 47.8% from three and he going into tonight he was shooting 65% from two Eric mm -hmm. on 5.7 two-point attempts per game over his nice. first three games he's only one for three tonight but overall he's been more of a threat as a guy that can pull up from the mid-range and knock those down at a high clip mm -hmm. and then a guy that can also get to the rim and use his athleticism so we didn't really yeah. see that tonight but he's shown that he's more comfortable with getting downhill with slashing with playmaking so overall i mean after today he was averaging 13.7 points per game going into tonight i just want to update this so now he has 58 points on the season divided by four he's averaging 14 and a half points per game that's like top 10 sixth man of the year territory, right. especially if it's like very efficient, you know what I mean? And, well, and it has been. Because people have wondered how we're going to get that 14 points per game off the bench that we lost from Mello, you know? Um, well, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. Like, And it's more efficient too. <laughs> mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Let's talk about Nance next. All right. Because I want to tie <laughs> Nance into that well, point. Look. Can I just finish yeah, up with ahead, Ant real quick ahead, before ahead, you go ahead. on to Nance? Uh, so something that has never been used in Anthony Simon's career is him as a lob target or a backdoor cutter, right? I don't think we've seen that at all from him, right? Um, but imagine a Derek Jones Jr. level finisher slasher cutter on the baseline that can shoot threes as well so you can't <laughs> leave him open for three like you can with Derek Jones um and that's I think the next evolution of his game um outside of playmaking of course 
is teams are going to start overplaying him on the three point line if he continues this. I mean, he's a he was a plus forty percent shooter last year. He's going to be a plus forty percent shooter this year. Like this guy can absolutely shoot the ball. So teams are going to have to start overplaying that if he starts learning how to cut and get to the basket, and we we find him on those. He's going to eventually have some highlight moments um, and that'll lead to his efficiency getting even better because he'll get easy shots on top of that. Yep. Agreed with that. And that's where like putting in some more sets, utilizing Yusuf Nurkic's playmaking mm. could benefit Anthony later on. in Or, the or Nancy Zeller too. Or Nancy Zeller because both those guys can pass as well. And we haven't really seen that. Um, Cody Zeller showed off a little bit with kind of a over the head hook pass uh, <laughs> in the half court, but we haven't seen our bigs playmake yet. And I think that is coming because we have three good passing big men out of the four in the rotation. So uh, that is something that we definitely need to utilize at some point. And I'll be, if we're not doing, if we're not utilizing the playmaking of those three guys at the end of the season, I will be on Chauncey for it. Yeah. And uh, that'll be, that'll be maybe my one critique of Chauncey. I just mm-hmm. think it's coming. They're focusing on the defense. The defense is looking pretty good right now. So yeah. the offense will come later. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Time for Larry Nance Jr. And I wanted to tie in. What was the point you made? I forgot the point you made. About Larry Nance. Yeah. I had I had a segue. I lost Sorry. it. It's all good. Um, but <laughs> Larry Slam Dunk Nance Jr. Chris just <laughs> is throwing in nicknames in here. I like it. Uh, eight points, five rebounds, four for six from the field. Only 15 minutes, Eric. Larry Nance Jr. deserves more minutes. Mm-hmm. He absolutely deserves more minutes. And I'm annoyed that he's only playing like 15, 16 minutes again. With Roko the way he's playing right now, Nance deserves as many minutes as him. Plain and simple. Larry Nance Jr. is a similar caliber defender heading into the season and has been a better defender so far this season. So there's no justification to play Rocco defensively over Larry Nance Jr. Nance can also hit threes. He was the 36% three-point shooter last year, was two for two in the Phoenix game. He It's not like Rocco is miles ahead of him in terms of three-point shooting. And everything else, I would take Larry Nance Jr. He was in the right spot offensively a number of times today, Eric. Mm-hmm. He had a couple perfect cuts that got him dunks. He was hustling on the boards. He played a pretty flawless game. Uh, what was your takeaways from Larry Nance Jr.? Yeah, there was one play in particular where um, we <laughs> we had the second unit in and we looked like we were going to have a wasted possession. Derek Jones Jr. kept dribbling around, couldn't get around his guy. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Nance just cuts and Dennis just Dennis Smith finds him on a beautiful pass and he gets an easy bucket. And uh, those are the kind of things that we need. Like that's those those kind of plays are open all the time uh, when people are ball watching or or uh, so focused on our guards. Those being in that dunker spot, which is like right around the baseline and stuff like that. We haven't really taken advantage of that ever in the Dame era. So um, to have a guy who showed some flashes of being that guy who can finish in those situations, or, you know, even if he gets the ball and doesn't have a shot, he can kick it out to um, an open man. I forgot what play it was, but there was one where 
I think it was Dame passed to Nance in the middle, and then he kicked it back out to someone for a wide open three, and it was really pretty. Um, so yeah, I agree that Nance needs more minutes. Uh, I didn't really think he had the best first half, but his second half was about as good as you could get. And there was some plays on defense, uh, the exact opposite of Rocco in this game, where he helped multiple times, recovered to his man multiple times, got in the way, uh, thwarted some drives. Like there was one play in particular where I counted like six times where he made the right decision off ball and completely shut down Memphis in one possession and never let his guy get open that whole time, even though he was helping others. And I mean, players like that are just so beneficial to have. And uh, so as Rocco struggles, I agree with you that Nance needs to start uh, getting minutes. Now I've seen a lot of like, Oh, we should start him over Rocco and stuff like that. I don't think it's, re- I don't think we're ready to, give up quite yet on Rocco um, because we still need him as part of our rotation. And I think uh, starting, but I would like to see Nance play a little more with the starters because I feel like he could really improve um, once, once he's playing with, uh, Mm -hmm. and I I don't like in the first half, I I guess in the second half, it was a little different and that's why I think he played better. But um, so far it's been kind of a Zeller Nance Roko Nurk situation where they sub out um, at similar times. So I'd like to kind of mix it up. I want to see Nance play with Nurk a little more and maybe Zeller and Roko see if they can have something because so far the chemistry between Nurk and Roko, um, I just feel like if we had a better cutter, that Nurk could be used so much better. And mm-hmm. I don't think he really, I don't think Roko is the perfect match for him at least offensively now defensively it should be those two should be i mean they're both elite off-ball defenders so it should work um especially with you know if our guards are struggling to to stay in front of their guys um but offensively i just feel like nurk's playmaking a little bit has to do with the fact that Rocco isn't really a cutter and he's not once again there's a play tonight where there was no one on the same side of the court as Rocco and Dame passed it to him and it took like five seconds for him to get the shot off and of course he missed it but like um it's like why are you not ready to shoot there was no one around you and you could have cut two and got a wide open land mm-hmm. if you wanted to as well but um I, I don't know uh we'll, we'll talk about him in a minute but uh yeah I think Nance should be getting more minutes uh right now and here's the thing, like, Dennis Smith Jr. played fine tonight. So this is nothing against Dennis Smith Jr. But when you have a guy as good as Larry Nance Jr. and struggling to get him minutes, why not play him and Rocco together at the forward spots? Yeah. It seems like Chauncey is completely against that. And it's like, especially if you're going to run a zone defense, Eric, why are you running a three-guard lineup with, like, Dennis Smith Jr., Anthony Simons, and CJ McCollum while running a zone? Instead. While you're also playing Larry Nance Jr. only 15 minutes, why don't you give Nance more minutes and play him at the three in that lineup when you're running a zone? That especially, makes the most sense to me. Especially without Norm, that makes even less sense because our backup three is starting right now. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't see any reason why Nance should be getting such few minutes. Um, I don't think it's necessary to, because even if you just split the minutes between 
Rocco and Nance, that's 24 minutes each. So that's way more minutes than he should be playing <laughs> um, or that he played tonight. So I don't necessarily think it's Dennis Smith Jr.'s fault that he's getting less minutes. I just don't understand why Rocco keeps getting put back in the game if we're going to. And there's going to be a point where when you're talking about accountability, you have to reward the players who are doing it on the court and the players who are failing to do what you want them to do on the court have to get, I wouldn't say punished, but uh, there has to be some sort of consequences for them, not uh, if you want to hold them accountable. So um, I think that's the perfect thing to do right now is you can still start Rocco, but maybe um, just let Nance play a little more than him right now and see how that works. Yep. Uh, agreed. Hopefully he plays more minutes next game. He only played six minutes in the first half, Eric. I was annoyed by that. I was very annoyed. So they gotta find, they gotta find him more minutes and mix and match him. Put him in different lineups. The dude is just as good as Robert Covington, in my opinion. Just as good as Robert Covington. Like I don't. He's playing better than Robert Covington. He does all the little things. He plays good off-ball defense. He talks quarterbacks the defense. Like he's just as good of a defender as Rocco. Maybe better if you're gonna take these first four games into account every all the other little stuff offensively he does better Rocco's infuriating he catches the ball as you said wide open spins the ball looks down at his feet make sure his feet are good spins it again then shoots it almost gets it blocked even though he's wide open and could have cut and had a dunk if that's Larry Nance Jr he's probably cutting to the rim and getting a wide open dunk right the end of the third quarter Eric when I don't remember I think it was Dame yeah Dame gets trapped off a pick and roll and Larry Nance Jr. realizes nobody's paying attention to him, so he just parks under the rim and gets a pass and a dunk. Oh, yeah, that was beautiful. Right at the end of the quarter. Yeah. yeah. Rocco isn't in that spot. Mm-hmm. And then he probably doesn't dunk it and probably misses the lane. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit too hard on Maybe he finishes the lane. But he's not even in that spot in the first place. Rocco's just going to yep. sit in the corner where Dame probably can't even get him the ball. Instead, Larry Nance Jr. cuts under the rim and gets a dunk. That was a great pass by Dame, too. Mm-hmm. That was a great pass by Dame. But Larry Nance Jr. has to be in that spot. And he was. Robert Covington would not be in that spot, even though that's the right spot to be in. So that's the thing is uh, I don't see why Robert Covington's playing so much more than Larry Nance Jr. at this point. But we'll talk about Rocco in a second. Let's move mm-hmm. on to – let's move on. Who do we got next? Let's talk about Nurkic. We've talked a lot about Nurkic. Is there anything else that you want to add? Uh, no, just – I love the way he played in the second half. Um, I like that he was aggressive. I like the spots we got him in the ball versus some of the first few games um, or in years past. Um, I don't think he's as good getting the ball uh, in the middle of the key on the roll. I think he's better coming from the baseline. Um, Mm -hmm. He almost always either dunks if he's open or lays it in stronger when he comes from the side. And uh, there's almost always less traffic (laughs) there to to navigate. So um, maybe that's an adjustment is, um, especially if Nance is in the game with him, that's kind of why I want to mix him because as good of a screener as Nurkic is, you could also have Nance screen as well and have Nurkic in that dunker spot that you were talking about Nance being in. And then you, (laughs) you have Nance on the roll who could throw a lob pass to Nurk, or if the defense doesn't collapse, you know, uh, go down on him. So that's a way to get them involved uh, in with their playmaking um, and and kind of a, 
uh, high post, low post action there. Um, so I, I think there's so many things we can do with that. Um, so eventually, I'd like to see more of it. Yep, agreed with that. Let's move on to his backup, a.k.a. Big Handsome. <laughs> Cody Zeller, 10.7 rebounds in 25 minutes, plus 7. He did have five fouls, a couple turnovers, but overall his energy and effort and just he knew when to be in the right spots. He finished well, got to the line a couple times. Uh, defensively, I thought he was very, very good as well, Eric. There is a play, and I don't remember exactly what happened on the play, but there is just a play defensively where he was moving his feet extremely well. And I think it was yeah. him switched out onto a John Morant or a guard. Or yeah, a he got player. switched on a John in the second half and, and stuck with him. Stuck with him, yeah. And I was just sitting there like, thank goodness we have him instead of Ennis Cantor. And uh, I don't want to be mean to Ennis Cantor. The things he does well, he does really well. He finishes inside, he's a good pick and roll big, and he's a phenomenal offensive rebounder. The thing is, Cody Zeller can get offensive boards too. Like, that's what I was telling people. People were like, oh, we're going to miss Ennis Cantor's offensive rebounding. Well,. Why 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 did people act like we were not getting a good offensive rebounder in Cody Zeller? Cody Zeller has a nose for the ball and pursues everything. Right? I don't understand why people act like it was a huge downgrade in that department. But like defensively, it's just I'm so happy that instead of watching Ennis Cantor defend pick and rolls and defend situations, we have a guy like Cody Zeller who can move his feet, who's smart, who recognizes situations faster defensively. He is an upgrade over Ennis Cantor, and I was saying that going into the season. I feel like some people believed it, but a lot of people did not. I don't think that's a debate anymore. I don't see how anybody can watch this guy play and not think that he's an upgrade over Ennis Cantor. Yep, and uh, I'll say the exact opposite I said about Nurkic. I feel like Cody is excelling on those roles right down the middle of the paint where they find him mm -hmm. um it's a shame he only has one assist tonight because i felt like he was making the right play in all those situations and he just has a knack of getting to the basket um and getting around those guys and and not like committing an offensive foul in those situations and he's he's making the right reads to kick it out to the shooter when he doesn't have a shot um he takes it strong and dunks when he does um yeah, I just I I really like him in those situations. So more of that from from Zeller and more of using Nurkic in a different spot. Um, I think, um, which is interesting. Uh, I didn't think I'd ha think that at any point this season, but um, I, I really like him on those short rolls off the pick and roll. Yep, agreed. With that, next up, we got Nasir Little gets another start tonight. Has nine points in 27 minutes, six boards, three for four from the field, missed his only three, got to the line three times, had a big dunk to cap off this game. Did have three turnovers. One of them, I think he got fouled uh, on a fast break. Uh, what were your thoughts on his performance tonight? Yeah, overall, uh, still learning process for him. Um, but, uh, you know, getting lost on defense a few times, is going to happen unlike some of our vets who shouldn't be having that happen um he's still trying to learn or figure out because there were times where he was on jaw as the like primary defender and then there were times where he was off ball and uh, i feel like he's at this point in his career he's a little better on ball than off um so he's he's got to learn to uh have that same intensity off ball that he does on ball 
But other than that, uh, I, I think it was a really solid game from him. Um, I think he could cut a little more uh, when he's open, uh, maybe get some uh, easy baskets that way. Um, but I, I do like the fact that he runs the floor. Uh, he's getting back on defense, and he's also uh, hustling down uh, to the other end. Occasionally, we throw it ahead to him. It didn't really work out for easy baskets this game um, until the garbage time. But um, eventually, we can start going to that, I think, to push the tempo a little bit because he can handle the ball well. It's just he gets in trouble when he uh, gets into a crowd sometimes. But um, I, I think Nas is doing a, a respectable job so far in his two games that he started. Yep, agreed with that. His energy is fun to have out there on the court, and it's nice that he's actually getting a consistent shot this year to kind of work through some things. Uh, next up, we got uh, Dennis Smith Jr., second-to-last player. You guys know who will be last. He has five points, three rounds, five assists in 19 minutes tonight. Gets a good amount of playing time. He plays more than Larry Nance Jr. I, I don't understand that, Eric. He played solidly, made a three, which was nice to well, see. Got the line a couple times, so I'm not saying Dennis Smith Jr. played bad at all. He had a pretty good game and five assists. You like to see that. He's passed the ball well, and he's defended well when he's in there. He did a decent job against John Morant. So overall, a good performance from Dennis Smith Jr. Just uh, questionable when like Larry Nance Jr. also plays great and plays less minutes than him. Yeah, I mean, five of those minutes were because he was in with the garbage time players, so... True. Really, it was only 14 if we're comparing it to the minutes that Nance played. But um, so I mentioned this as a reason why I like Dennis Smith Jr. as an option. I think if he can learn to be a role player, which is hard to do, like he's he expected to be a star in this league. After his rookie year, he thought he was going to be like the next Dame or whatever, you know, and um, he thought he was going to uh, be like the best player on Dallas and just dominate for years. And uh, obviously his career has gone the complete opposite way. Uh, but if he just learns to play within himself and run a role of running the offense and pushing the tempo and looking for his pass versus his shot, um, I think this guy could be a, a nice weapon to have on a team. Um, now I, I don't know it's so far, it seems like he's willing to do that. Um, I don't know if he'll long-term that's something that he'll be willing to do. Um, especially if he, if he does well in this role, he'll probably want a bigger role at some point. Um, but as long as he is coming in, running the offense, making the ball move, um, he's pushing the ball up. Like we, we haven't had a guard that gets the ball and gets into the front court as quickly as him in a long time. Like I don't remember, um, certainly not in Dame's era. I don't think, um, having, having a backup guard that just comes in and pushes the tempo and gets us some easy baskets. And like I said earlier, he had that one play where he drives into the paint. <coughs> CJ comes up the court and he just kicks it over to CJ and he's wide open for a three and stuff like that. Um, if you can create those moments throughout the game, even if it's just a handful of those moments, um, it, it just becomes so beneficial because those guys like Damon CJ are eventually going to start making teams pay like Ant's doing right now for leaving them open. And uh, I, I just like the way he's coming in and playing. Um, 
I don't even think he's looking to shoot most of the time, even when he's wide. <coughs> even when he's wide open. Yeah, I mean he's he's played well. He's played well. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like he hasn't played well, and I like the pace in which the team plays with him in. Uh, my, my biggest thing, minutes wise, is just get Larry Nance Jr. more. I I don't care how, as long as you're not taking him from Dame or CJ or someone. Uh, gotta get Larry Nance Jr. more minutes. Um, so if you can play both of them, cool, cool. I'm completely fine with that. The thing is, is this is a deep team, Eric. I think that's the takeaway from today. This is a yeah. we're missing a starter. This is still a deep team. It's crazy how people thought it was insane to say that this was a deep team before the season and people laughed at the notion that this was the best bench a Damian Lillard team has ever had I think I think through four games it's easy to say that we have had a second unit either battle its way back in games or stretch out a lead in multiple games so far in this young season and tonight was another one of those. This team stretched out the lead there with a lot of second unit guys in during the second half. Uh, and Dennis Smith Jr., I mean, you look at it, he's a plus eight in 19 minutes. Even if even with him in the game, they're still stretching out the lead. They're still playing well. So this is a deep team. It's going to be hard to find everybody the minutes they probably deserve, but it's a good problem to have. And I have to mention this too. Uh, he is... I. I think he's our best on-ball defender so i think he's earning minutes that way with his defense too because um just in terms of one-on-one individual perimeter defense i think he's playing better than anyone else on this team right now and that's why he's getting the minutes he's getting yep all right last person up eric we're gonna have to end this on a negative note unfortunately we gotta talk about robert Covington what were your thoughts on him tonight uh he is pissing me off (laughs) um (laughs) he's pissing you off (laughs) blunt Uh, simple straight to the point I like it why is he pissing you off Eric so I'm still giving him a pass because up until this point in his career This has not been something that he's ever struggled with. And in fact, he's known as an elite off the ball defender in the NBA. Right. Um, And is people think he struggled defensively last year because our defense was so bad. His defensive impact, like analytics were actually off the charts uh, considering how bad our defense was last year. And that was a lot of times him having to play, especially once, uh, uh, Derek Jones was out of the rotation. Covington was having to guard the perimeter ball handler a lot. And um, he still was very impactful. Fast forward to this year where we have a new system where we have guys like Dame CJ uh, playing very well on the ball. Uh, we have a system where our biggest uh, showing on the picks and getting the ball out of the ball handler's hand. And Robert Covington should be the perfect player to have with Nurkic in there to rotate and play off ball and know the right places to be and all this stuff. However, 
I mean, we're talking the complete opposite of Larry Nance. Like I said, uh, there was like six times on one possession where he was in the right spot. I'm counting multiple times on pretty much every single possession where Covington is in the wrong spot. Uh, when he does recover to his man, he's jumping in the air and getting out of position. So the person just pump fakes him and he's completely taken out of the play with a pump fake. Uh, he's done that like 10 times a game so far this season. It's just ridiculous. Um, this guy has got to play better because the way he's playing right now, if Chauncey Billups is going to truly hold these guys accountable for their actions on the court, he's unplayable. You cannot play him the way he's played so far this year. And like I said, I'm not willing to just completely take him out of the lineup. I still think we should start and stick with him because we need him to be the player he's always been Mm -hmm. so far. Um, But you cannot have uh, an elite defense. Um, And I'll, I'll go as much to say, if Robert Covington was playing like Robert Covington right now, we we could possibly have a top five defense this year. I'm 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 not. I, I know that sounds crazy. Yeah. But I feel like if he was the player we expect him to be, and that player, it, and and it's just insane to me that we're talking about him being the reason why our defense is being held back right now, and uh, that. It just cannot happen. He is here to play defense, to be an off-ball help defender and be that defender that he's been his whole career. And he's been absolutely brutal off-ball in these games. Uh, like, um, and it's just stupid mistakes that a, a veteran player should not make. Like, He's making more mistakes than Nas, and Nas is learning on the fly and has yeah. like no experience in game, game time and stuff like that. And... Uh, I mean, he's he's got to get his head out of his ass. Or, I mean, I I'm still willing to be patient with him. I I have maybe it's just a little bit of last year he was asked to do so much that this year he's having trouble not doing that same thing, like not having to overcompensate. Maybe a lot of times in his in his career he's had to overcompensate for a James Harden or a or Russell Westbrook or a, a crappy Minnesota defense or, uh, you know, those kind of things to where he's so used to having to overhelp and do all those things. Um, maybe it's a little bit of that, but um, I have never seen this guy play this bad defensively. And uh, uh, so I'm, I'm still willing to hope that the regular Robert Covington is in there, but if he continues this much longer, I almost think, you might have to look at moving him at some point this year. And I never thought I would be thinking that, um, especially this early in the season. Yeah. I mean, it's almost encouraging though, like how good our defense looks with how he's struggling. It's just like, it's only four games. So I'm not even ready to like entertain all the possibility of shopping him or whatnot. Like Mm -hmm. sure. If it continues, then we're going to have to have some tough conversations, but Overall, throughout his career, he's always been a phenomenal defensive player, so I'm not even going to pay too much mind to four games. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'll trust years of defense from him, years of good defense, before I like overreact to four games. And I think a lot of people are overreacting to four games. It's just like, recency bias is a real thing with a lot of fans. And it's like, the, the four most recent games are more indicative of Robert Covington as a defender, apparently, than... <laughs> The five years prior to that, 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, if it continues long-term where it's like, oh, yeah, this is not just a four-game small sample size thing. This is, like, becoming the norm for him. Then, yeah, we have to have some conversations. But at this point, you don't have to. I think that he, like, in a game like tonight, I don't see why Larry Nance Jr. doesn't play as many minutes as him. You don't have to play Robert Covington 27 Mm -hmm. minutes if he's struggling. You have better depth behind him this year than you did last year, you know? you. And what's crazy is, like, Carmelo Anthony would still play 25, 30 minutes a game (laughs) last year as his backup four. And Roko would play some some backup three, like he would play with a second unit and play some small forward. And now it's, it's like a small ball center when we're yeah, injured. It's yeah, some small ball center. And now it's like, okay, can we play Roko at some small ball three to get Nance more minutes? And no. So that's like the one. That's the only critique I have of anything Chauncey has done is just not managing Robert Covington's minutes in games where he's struggled for guys that are playing better than him and maybe playing at Larry Nance Jr. more. But the thing is, is Chauncey is learning on the fly. He's admitted yeah. a couple times that he maybe should have gotten somebody more minutes. So mm-hmm. I'm complete. I'm not, you know, being harsh on him or anything. He'll probably just, adjust, yeah. Yeah, and I'll give him the chance to adjust. It's like Larry Nance Jr. is playing better basketball than him right now because Larry Nance Jr. is doing the right things defensively and Robert Covington is struggling in that area. So Nance deserves some of those minutes. But it's not a situation where I'm sitting here saying, take Robert Covington out of the starting lineup because Mm. I'm not going to overreact to four games when he has the body of work that he does. I'm just going to sit here and say, okay, hopefully he can get get back to being the Robert Covington that we all know because if he does, imagine this defense Mm. with Robert Covington defending how he defended last year or in previous seasons yeah this is this is this is a top 10 defense if they defend like they did against the grizzlies and the suns and robert covington steps up so if it's a top 10 defense this is an elite team so mm-hmm. overall i'm not not going to panic about him so um adam smith says Rocco definitely did have a slow start to last season so new scheme he could settle in still so i completely agree that the new scheme could be the issue. And, However, hold up. Andrew Miller has a $5 dono. I just want to bring this up because he asks yeah. the same, asks the question. He says, maybe mm-hmm. Roko's defense is the same as Dame's offense, both adjusting to a new system. Appreciate yeah. Andrew Miller. What are your thoughts? Um, and Rip City 208, we'll get to your dono in just a second. Yep. Thank you. Um, so, Roko's struggles were just shooting the ball last year. Uh, he was just not hitting threes, which. At the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I can live with that. That's what. Adam Smith's point was was that Rocco struggled at the beginning of last year, but that was just shooting. Yeah. And I'm I'm just like Dame right now. I'm not worried about if you're getting good shots and just missing them. Um, like so that was that's not my concern with Covington. And yeah, sure, the new scheme could be a factor here, but his mistakes have nothing to do with scheme. It's just like what we said all of last year, right, with the rotations being bad and making stupid mistakes and stuff like that. Um, Like, the amount of times he falls for pump fakes or jumps when he doesn't have to jump, that's not a scheme thing. That's just him being dumb on the court. And uh, the the falling asleep, like I mentioned that play in the Phoenix game, where off of a jump ball, he leaves his guy wide open and forgets to guard him and and whatever. like stuff like that it's just he's being i mean he's he's a smart defender like he's better than this and i don't understand why it's not a scheme thing and i'll say the same thing about dame dame struggles offensively are not a scheme thing it's not because we're trying to play him off ball or do other stuff or 
whatever. It, it's just there. Dame is just missing shots <laughs> that he normally would make. So um, I don't like that. It's I don't like the way he's messing up. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's it's not to me scheme related. It's just um, him just being inexplicably bad for no reason. And uh, I think it can be fixed. And I think he's a good enough defender to where he should be able to fix it relatively quickly. But uh, I'm just kind of concerned that he's just kind of, I don't know. And I mean, coach made the comment, you know, we got to find out how many of these guys we want to win, but how many people actually really play that way and i'm wondering if like a lot of people thought that was towards nurkic but i'm starting to think that maybe that might have been towards robert covington because he is not just always played like he wants to i know he's always the guy who's busted his behind i don't understand what's going on though it's just frustrating See, like, and that's where I just come back to, like, it could just be a quirky four-game sample where just for yeah. some reason he can't get mentally locked in. Like, that's the thing with small sample sizes is weird things happen. That's a statistical mm-hmm. thing. Like, Dame over four games, there's a higher percentage there's a higher percentage chance that he shoots over 50% from three over a four-game sample, and there's a higher percentage chance that he shoots under 10% from three over a four-game sample than there is over an 82-game sample. So that's the thing. The smaller the sample, the more statistical aberrations you'll have, and I think that applies to the potential of Robert Covington struggling on the defensive end just not being able to mentally be locked in. It's a four-game sample. So that's where, like... Everything comes back to, I'm not going to read too much into it. I'm not going to entertain the idea of Nance starting or Rocco off the bench or how that fits or anything yet because it's just, we're not there yet. We're not close to there yet. You got got to give him more time. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, my concern would be that for the last few years, he's gotten away with playing or getting burnt or... Um, being out of position because he's so good at deflecting passes and uh, making up for it. Uh, you know, when the guy gets to the rim, he still recovers quick enough to to contest a shot or, um, you know, he's, he strips down at the ball and knocks the ball away a lot. Um, he was one of the league leaders in deflections last year. Um, so I'm hoping he hasn't gotten to the point where he's so reliant on just his ability to make up for his poor defense that he's kind of developed um, bad habits. But um, yeah, I mean, he's the same guy is still there. Like you don't just forget how to play defense. So hopefully that's the case. But in the meantime, I agree. He should be playing at least the same amount of minutes as Nance, if not a little less, if he's playing as bad as he did tonight. Yeah. Both should be playing like 24 minutes a game right now, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Both should be playing 24 minutes again at this point. Uh, 27 minutes. He would have played more if the bench didn't get in. If this was a closer game, he would have ended up playing 32 minutes tonight. So that's the thing. is like That's the other reason why I won't entertain the idea of Roko off the bench. Because I don't even think the coaching staff has even had a right. thought about that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll I agree with you there. I don't think the starting lineup is the problem or it like, mm-hmm. needs to be changed or anything. I just think he needs to have his minutes cut if he's not going to yeah. be there. 
but you can't mix and match more. I would like to see them mix and match more, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe yep. if it looks better, then you entertain the idea. Maybe if Robert Covington plays better with the bench and Nance plays better with the starters, just if yeah. they stagger their minutes a little bit more, then maybe that's something that you start looking at. But at this point, uh, that is not really an option. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, uh, Nance be the first sub, um, just like maybe next game or something, and just mm-hmm. see how that looks. Um having him come in, uh, you know, four or five minutes into the game and let that unit run a little bit, see what that looks like. Yep, agreed with that. Alrighty, that wraps up the players. Let's thank RipCity208 for a $5 dono. He says, great win tonight, great show, great community, good vibes this season. Peace sign. Appreciate it. RipCity208, I'm glad you're enjoying the show, and I'm glad you're enjoying the community because we do have an awesome community Mm and chat this year has been insane man i i don't read off a lot of comments on here but i do read a lot of them um so i appreciate everybody that participates in chat and yeah. uh, makes this community what it is through their engagement we, we had a bad chat last game but or not bad chat overall it was bad but because we, we had some we, trolls we had some bad people in mixed in the chat yeah. but tonight's been awesome i've been reading the chat as well and everyone's having a good conversation and um it's a lot more fun after the win obviously um one more point about roko before we move on yeah um like if he's not bringing it defensively um and he's struggling with his three-point shot as well uh it's hard to it's hard to justify him too over minutes because in a ball movement offense he's not really He's not cutting. He's not passing well. He's not doing much to space the floor if he's not hitting shots. So, um, yeah, that's the other thing, too, is uh, um, we need him to play better defensively to kind of justify how much he's involved in the offense or or, or if he's struggling to get good shots on offense. Um, So hopefully this is just the thing that we look back on as being silly later in the season. Yep, agreed with that. Are you ready to look at scores, Eric? Uh, yeah, let's do I haven't it. looked. At, I haven't looked at a lot of scores, so a lot of oh, this okay. will be new to me. Nice. Let's head around the NBA. Game scores from tonight. The Hornets beat the Magic 121-11. I don't know who performed well. I'm just going to... Actually, I'll pull up the ESPN box scores here. And do you have that page? You could just be surprised at the end. The notable performers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do have that page, but obviously it's just five players on it. So uh, I'll just look at top performers on ESPN. Gordon Hayward has a good game. Cole Anthony has another good game, 24 points. LaMelo Ball, 3 for 14 tonight. He struggled. See, I like to see who struggles too. Yeah. So that's that's definitely a part of it. Jalen Suggs is, continues to struggle to hit a shot. He's 3 for 11 from the field. You hate to see it as a Jalen Suggs fan. That's me. Uh, I hate to see it, but overall, uh, still playing a lot. At least he's starting. So it just sucks that he ends up in Orlando because I feel like they might figure out how to ruin his career. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I mean, you see now that Mo Bamba's getting minutes, he's playing better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of have the same vibes as him, especially if Cole Anthony's playing well. And then once Fultz is back in the lineup, um, they have a lot of guards and it's you begin to wonder if uh they'll start to play them they are also have rj hampton who's barely playing who was really good towards the end of last season um so yeah this uh 
might not be the best spot for him, um, but he is starting getting minutes, like you said, so maybe that'll be okay in the long run. I think once he starts hitting shots, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I think he's playing well in pretty much every area other than the fact that he's struggled Mm -hmm. to make some shots. So uh, he's playing a lot off the ball. Cole Anthony is dominating the ball a lot, so it's not even like he can really play his natural style. I think they'll have to choose between one of those two guys because I think both of them are point guards uh, that will have the ball in their hands a lot if they're going to play naturally. So they're playing Suggs at the two, basically, and that's not his position so they're gonna have to make a decision there and it's gonna be harder the better Cole Anthony plays Uh, at least they have uh, another first round rookie playing well that's Franz (laughs) Wagner he's played well he had 15 points tonight yeah he's looked impressive so uh he's a guy who struggled in summer league but has looked better uh in the NBA kind of the opposite of Jalen Suggs Jalen Suggs played good in summer league the Heat Beat the Nets 106-93. The Nets fall to 2-3 on the season. Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler has 17 points, 14 rebounds. The Nets are obviously playing without Kyrie Irving, and you can see that absence with their early 2-3 and three record. The other conversation, Eric, has been James Harden's play. He's struggled. Mm-hmm. Tonight, that continues. 14 points, 7 assists, 4 for 12 from the field, 3 for 8 from 3. Yep. And so he's, uh, I mean, this is probably a little bit justified, but uh, he said after the game that he uh, focused on rehab all summer, wasn't able to play any pickup or do the things he normally do. So he's struggling to get back into basketball uh, shape and to be the player he wants to be uh, because of that. So he says it's going to take time for him to get back into basketball conditioning and stuff like that. So probably a valid excuse, but uh, without Kyrie on top of that, um, if he struggles, uh, Durant can only do so much. So um, this team is not built very well to survive if if at least two of those guys aren't doing pretty well. Yeah, the East looks pretty wide open right now. It's Milwaukee's to lose, obviously, but everybody thought Brooklyn was going to be better than this even without Kyrie. They have not been. Uh, Good. Go ahead. Also, give Miami some credit. They played really yeah. good defense in this game. So. Yeah, I mean, they brought in Kyle Lowry for a reason. Good defensive mm-hmm. player. Also a good offensive sidekick next to Butler and Bam Adebayo. Uh, and then you got Hero, who's been playing solid off the bench, but he goes 5 for 17 tonight. But Dwayne Dedman in 17 minutes uh, has 14.6 for 9 shooting. So that's a guy who kind of almost fell out of the league and is making a bit of a comeback right now. It's worth yeah. looking at the Nets. Millsap only plays 15 minutes. LaMarcus Aldridge only plays 12 minutes. Patty Mills plays 31 minutes off the bench. So he's getting playing time. Patty Mills was one for nine nine tonight. But Millsap and Aldridge aren't playing a whole lot, at least not tonight. Mm -hmm. So they're playing their starters heavy minutes. Durant played 37. Harris played 34. Bruce Brown played 35. Harden played 36. What was Harris from three? Five for 11. Five for 15 from the field. So he's also started slow. He was a team worst minus 22, though. So mm-hmm. uh, Joe Harris is not is not having a good season so far this year. Uh, next game was, let me pull stream back up here. You have the Hawks beating the Pelicans 102-99. This was a game on ESPN before the Blazers went down to the wire. You have 31 points from Trey Young, 21 from Devontae Graham. Uh, the Pelicans still playing without Zion Williamson. Uh, 
They're starting to kill Alexander Walker this year. We're hoping for him to take a jump. He's struggled. He was three for 14 tonight. They've been starting Herb Jones, who's a rookie I like, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't think he was ready to start right away, but they've been well, starting him. They've been playing Trey Murphy, another rookie. They've been playing Najee Marshall. They've been playing some obscure mm-hmm. players. Herb Jones has been really, really good defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensively, obviously, he's uh, not doing great, but uh, he's pretty much earned playing time because of his defense right now. Yeah, he was 3-4 for four from the field, 22 minutes, hit his only three, and he's a guy who can pass a bit, so he's a guy I really liked in the draft, and I really like the two guys that the Pelicans took in the draft, Murphy at 17, and then Herb Jones in the second round, I think it was at 43, I don't remember. Uh, so... Things look bleak there in New Orleans. We'll see when they get Zion back, but uh, at least they had a decent draft this year. And they took a guy I really liked in last year's draft in Kyra Lewis, uh, but he hasn't been as impactful as I thought he would be early on in his career. The Hawks moved to 3-1. The Pelicans fall 2-1-4. It's funny how people talked about the Pelicans being a better head coaching uh, job than the Portland Trailblazers heading into this season. And a lot of people well, pick them to be in the same tier as us, and that's not playing out. <laughs> well, obviously, without Zion. and Still, though. At the time when they hired the coach, no one knew that Zion, I mean, the team didn't even know Zion yeah. needed ankle surgery or foot surgery or whatever it was. And um, he didn't get it till later in the summer uh, when he could have gotten it at the beginning of the summer. So still a kind of a mess of a franchise right now. And uh, without Zion, I don't think they have a good team at all. So um, I don't even think they're that good with Zion. So uh, without him, they're even worse. Uh, So I don't expect them to win any games. Yep. The next game was an interesting one. The Raptors blow out the Pacers 118-100. This was a matchup of arguably the top two rookies this season. Chris Duarte, the 14th overall, no, he was the 13th overall pick for the Indiana Pacers, and Scotty Barnes, who was the fourth overall pick for the Toronto Raptors in this past year's draft. Duarte, six for 15 from the field, 32 minutes. He's been starting, getting up a ton of shots. Hasn't necessarily been the most efficient player the past couple of games. He has 14. And then Scotty Barnes, 36 minutes, 18.7 assists. And here's the thing that's important for Blazers fans. The better Scotty Barnes plays, in my opinion, the more likely Pascal Siakam gets traded. They've been starting Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Scotty Barnes at the 3, 4, and 5. I think they consider Achua the 5. It doesn't really matter. Those guys have been all playing pretty well lately. Uh, They start Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. tonight. Trent, 4 for 14 from the field, 35 minutes, but... uh, do you agree with that assessment that the better Scotty Barnes plays, the better Precious Achua plays, the more likely Siakam gets traded? Yeah, and it looks like Siakam's almost ready to start playing again. Um, he's been full go in practice the last couple of days. Um, but uh, yeah, OG and uh, Barnes were great in this one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough because I think... The better Barnes plays right now, the better or the more noticeable more noticeable it'll be when Siakam comes back and then Barnes isn't getting as many minutes. Mm-hmm. And then people start to question why that is and stuff. And so if Siakam maybe struggles and he's taking minutes from Barnes, who's playing well but not getting enough minutes, um, I think that is possibly the best case scenario um for us um yeah yeah i I think he would take precious achua's first Mm -hmm. but 
Precious has been solid in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, maybe Ken Birch is off the bench. He's the backup center right now. Boucher is playing some, and Boucher hasn't been playing too well. It's going to be interesting to see how Siakam well, changes the equation there. They got a lot of solid front court I, players. I know they play them small at center sometime, like Siakam, but like Siakam and Barnes aren't centers, so I don't know how much you can get away with that long term. Yeah, true. Another guy, just learn this name right now, Delano Banton was the 46th <laughs> overall pick in this past year's draft. He's been playing well for them. In 16 minutes, he has 10 points, 3 assists, 4 for 7 from the field, 2 for 3 from 3. He's a 6-7 point forward with a questionable 3-point shot, but 2 for 3 tonight. If he can shoot the ball, then he's a guy that could end up being a pretty good role player and is kind of the type of the type of player that Toronto has had some success with big playmaking forwards. Uh, so he's been impressive, and he isn't has defensive potential. He's a guy that could be a steal in the second round as well. Well, it's kind of funny. Nurse has taken heat um, both on like social media and from the media itself about playing him over Malachi Flynn. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so Nurse basically said that um, – He's playing better than Flynn, and he's earned the minutes, and he's going to give the minutes to whoever earns it. So I like that approach from a coach who's not afraid to um, go with the guy who's playing better right now. So um, it's, it's kind of interesting uh, seeing him earn minutes as a as a rookie second-rounder. Yep. Agreed with that. The next game we have to cover is the Wizards beating the Celtics 116-107. Celtics fall to 2-3. and three. Wizards are now 3-1. and one. They were led by an impressive performance off the bench from Montrez Harrell. Uh, despite coming off the bench, he played 38 minutes in regulation, well, so that's uh, interesting. Gaffer got hurt early oh, in the yeah, game, that definitely and uh, that. yeah, so then Harrell played most of it. Yeah. Hopefully that Gafford injury isn't serious. It uh, looked really bad, I guess, at first, and then... Um, I think they said it was didn't end up being as bad as it could have been. So, yeah, uh, hopefully not a serious injury. Jason Tatum led the Celtics with twenty three points, but struggled from three one for eight. Jalen Brown had a uh, poor game by his standards, five for sixteen. Overall, the Celtics look iffy, but it, that's to be expected with a new coach, Inime Udoka. We'll see if they can find some sort of consistency. This next game, Eric, I feel like Reese has been waiting for us to talk about for a while. The Minnesota Timberwolves defeat the Milwaukee Bucks 113-108. They had over 20, they had 20, okay, how do I phrase this? They had at least 25 points from Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and D'Angelo Russell. The big three in Minnesota all had good games. They end up struggling to shoot the three ball. They turn over the ball 17 times, but Milwaukee couldn't make a shot either. They shot even worse from three. Uh, Minnesota shot 29%. Milwaukee shot 27.5% from three. So this was not the game if you like three-point shots. Drew Holiday didn't play in this game. Uh, and then They're Brooke missing Lope- several starters. Brooke yeah. Lopez didn't play in this game. Pat Connaughton started. <laughs> yeah, and he was two for 11, so he struggled. Grayson Allen started. George Hill started. So overall, uh, can't read too much into this game with the players that the Bucks were missing. I know Reese still will because he's on the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to make the playoffs 
bandwagon, which I still don't agree with, but we will see. Uh, they were playing Nuora off the bench. They played Rodney Hood. He was one for three from the three-point line, uh, four for four from the free throw line in 13 minutes. I don't know how he got to the free throw line four times because he never gets to the free throw line, but good for him. He had a seven-point game, Rodney Hood, uh, who's now in Milwaukee. Uh, any thoughts on this game, Eric? Uh, that was good early season win from Minnesota. Um, even though Milwaukee was missing a lot of guys, Giannis was a monster in this game. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they kind of had the strategy to just let Giannis do what he wanted and shut down most of the other players. And it worked for them in this game. Yep. Let's move on to the next one. Ooh, Eric, the <laughs> Thunder defeat the Lakers 123, 115. You love to so- see it. You don't know anything about this game? Uh, I I see in chat that Westbrook got ejected. Um, well, That's what he, Pentagraph said. <laughs> he had a quadruple double with turnovers. <laughs> with turnovers, okay. Uh, and he got ejected? Uh, I don't know about him getting ejected, but the Lakers were up 26 in this game and blew a 26-point lead. And our guy Carmelo Anthony... Oh, uh, I saw that. Had a three-pointer to tie it at one point and airballed. <laughs> I said LMAO to that airball three. And so, was... and freaking Ian Rose, man, comments on my tweet and is like, that's the, what, do you not think you should have taken that shot? It's like, no, of course, with nine seconds yeah. left after sure. a steal down yeah. three, open three, of course Melo should take it. It's just funny that he airballed it. Because yeah. <laughs> everybody... Everybody told me last year, Eric, especially Block Boy, haven't mentioned his name on stream all year, so shout out for the nostalgia. Block Boy loved to talk about how clutch he was. So it's just funny to see him airball a three with a game on the line after a steal. And the thing is, the steal wasn't even impressive. Josh Giddy threw it right to him. That was just a stupid play by the rookie, but yeah. Yikes. Carmelo Anthony tonight, 5 for 14, 1 for 8 from 3. Eric, I don't miss it. Followed up his four points from the other day after. Mm -hmm. He had his one good game against the Grizzlies, and now here's the two bad mellow games. What's funny is, yeah, they had that game where everyone was like, oh, yeah, he's, look at Melo. Like, everyone was talking about him, and then that seemed to be what happened, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, the reason why I didn't see, because I turned it off once the, there was like a few seconds left and the okay so he was obviously going to uh win um but uh Westbrook apparently got ejected after getting mad that Baisley dunked with a second left so uh, yeah <laughs> uh check out your stat line from your boy too my boy Baisley mm-hmm. 20 points Six rebounds, four steals, two assists, eight for 14 from the field, four for eight from three. Okay, that's what I like to see. That's most improved player material if he could average that. He needs to average that. This needs to be an average game for him because he was my most improved player of the year pick. I've always liked Darius Baisley's game. Uh, He had a good one tonight. That's nice to see. Uh, Anthony Davis was questionable, ended up playing. LeBron was out, though. Yeah. But you still can't lose to the Thunder. To the Thunder, especially after being up that much, this Laker team. I said it, Eric, and I questioned them in the regular season a little bit more than you. Mm -hmm. I still had them as my number two seed, but I I thought they were a little bit more iffy. Um, We both agreed that this is a roster that's not built to be cohesive in a playoff series and is going to struggle in the playoffs. Yeah, They're struggling in the regular season. 
I mean, dude, Russell Westbrook does not help you win basketball games. He was a team worst minus 12, Eric. Sure, for the casuals, he had a triple double. Triple 20 double. points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists. He's 8 for 20 from the field. He has 10 turnovers. He's also been an overrated defender for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. He's been like he's not a good defensive player in my opinion. Yeah. So uh like in people said, "Oh, well if they if LeBron has to rest or whatever, he can kind of carry the offense." Sure, yeah, he'll carry the offense to 10 turnovers by himself. I mean, I I've never I, I never liked yeah. that pickup, and people just like the name and the triple doubles and the flash and all that. You got to think about cohesiveness of the players on a roster and how they fit together. And still Westbrook won, does not but... fit. <laughs> still should have won, but that's my point. They're two and three, Eric. Yeah, they're two and three, and they've had LeBron for for a couple of those losses. So they'll be fine. And the thing is, they're one insane Carmelo Anthony game away from being one and four. I don't know. They're, they're, yeah, they'll be fine, but I don't think this is a team that's, like, up there with Utah or Phoenix at this point. Phoenix we got to get to because I'm not sure Phoenix is up there. I don't know what the West is at this point. Kayla <laughs> Pendergraph with the $2 donation. He says, at bring Black Boy back. I think you unbanned him, right? Mm. I did unban him, I think. I don't think he wants to come back, so. Yeah. I don't know. I can yeah. check, but I think I unblocked him. But... Uh, only show up. Boy. He would only show up after like Mello drops in thirty. If Mello drops in four on like two for fifteen shooting, he won't be here. So, eh. anyway, Blazers score one sixteen ninety six over the Grizzlies. This next game, Eric, mm-hmm. the Suns lose off a Harrison Barnes buzzer beater one ten one oh seven. I still have yet to see the Valley Pods reaction to that. I tried to listen to it in the stadium. It was hard. Uh, I I want to see how mad. Gabe got man. I, mm-hmm. I feel for him. I feel for him. The Suns fall to one and three on the season. They lose to the Kings at home. This was a game in which the Suns were healthy. They had Chris Paul play 30 minutes. He was one for 10. He struggled against Portland. He struggled in this game. So this is their first game after that Portland blowout. Uh, so that's two games in a row in which Chris Paul has struggled. Devin Booker, 12 for 28. That's not efficient. He has 31 points, but it's not efficient. Eight and nine for... 12 he was probably their best player he had 21 points 21 rebounds outside of that mikhail bridges has 15 their bench cam johnson one point in 23 minutes javel mcgee seven points in 14 minutes so javel mcgee had a decent game alfred payton 10 points in 13 minutes Shamit, their prized offseason pickups pick up one for two in 19 minutes had four points uh what are your thoughts on the sun struggles early on in this season um Part of me wants to say, well, they struggled last year. They'll be fine. But then part of me is also like they should have built their momentum off of last season a little better. Um, You'd think they would have came in firing on all cylinders this year after making it deep. Um, We heard that this was supposed to be yesterday that their owner was going to get uh some damning evidence against him um being a racist and all that kind of stuff and that he might be forced to sell the team because of it and then there was crickets yesterday and we didn't hear anything about it so i don't know if that's still coming um but maybe that's playing into it uh just the situation with ownership and then 
the way they handled the Aiton thing, even though I don't think that's a big deal. I'm sure Aiton's mad about it, even though he had 21 and 21 tonight. He had a monster game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think sometimes, like, the Blazers, after the 2019 season – uh, kind of got complacent a little bit in my opinion yeah and felt like they had made it already and uh maybe didn't have that same fight or determination and thought it was just going to be easy to get back there um you see that a lot of times in other sports too where a young team makes a, a super bowl or something and they think it's going to be a dynasty and then they never get back or whatever um so uh Maybe a little bit of that's playing on, but it's still pretty early. And um, yeah, I think they just have to start playing better. And I think Chris Paul, once he starts playing better, we'll, they'll be fine. Well, but at the same time, he's pretty old. So maybe at some point he's going to start to fall off a little bit. Well, here's the thing. You bring up Chris Paul, and this is something that you didn't mention that I think has to be considered. Chris Paul is 36 years old. At some point, he's going to decline. And he's obviously not, like, as good as he was, you know, when he was with the Clippers or even the Hornets. He's still really, really good and all-star caliber player. But at some point, he's going to decline. Maybe the decline is starting now. I mean, maybe, maybe another decline is starting now. I don't know. I mean... The past two games he's struggled, and obviously I, I'm not going to come to a conclusion on that, but it is something that is possible this season in his age 36 year is that he's not as good as he was last season. And here's the thing. I felt like Phoenix overachieved a little bit last season, so if Chris Paul isn't as good as he was last season, I don't think that they are a tier above a Portland team if Portland figures things out. I don't think they're a tier above a healthy Clippers team or a healthy Nuggets team. Like, I feel like right now it's a it's a pretty wide open West. You see the Lakers struggling, you see the Suns struggling, and sure they'll probably figure it out long term. But I don't think they're going to be like a head and shoulders above other teams in the West. Yeah. Well, going into the season, I thought the roles were going to be reversed between them and the Jazz. I thought the Jazz might kind of struggle based on them not having playoff success and struggle to get back to the point that they were last year and the Suns would pick up where they left off. But so far it seems to be the opposite of that. Um, but yeah, it's still just a few games. So who knows? Yep. Dude, what is this next score? <laughs> what is this last score? What, what, what the, in the the score world is 79 points, dude, 92 to 79. Is this 1980? Uh, the Cavs go on the, their West coast road trip and get two impressive wins. They beat the Nuggets. And then they beat the Clippers. And Eric, they held the Nuggets to 87 points. Of course, Jokic ended up only playing like half that game. But then they go up against the Clippers and only give up 79 points. Eric, I said this before the season. I said this in my standings predictions. I didn't predict the Cavs to like finish higher. I think I had them 13th. So I didn't predict them to have a good season. But I did say... If there's a team, a bottom feeder in the East that makes like a New York Knicks-like jump, the New York Knicks, of course, were a bottom feeder before last season, then jump up to the four seed. If there's a team like that in the NBA even, I was saying it was going to be the Cavs. 
And I don't know, man. They look pretty decent. They got the offensive firepower with Sexton and Garland, and you got Market in there now. They're playing with the three, which is a mistake in my opinion. But you also got two really good defensive bigs in Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Like, mm-hmm. insanely good defensive bigs. Mobley's playing at a all-defensive level, and he's still only, like, what, four or five games into his career. So Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I love Mobley in the draft. If he's showing this much promise right now, I the sky's limit for that guy because he's such a a unique player. Um, but yeah, Hy- hypothetically, this could be a top ten defense with those mm. two guys. And then Sexton has been like he's been below average, but he has a lot of energy and he's pretty quick. So a lot of it, I think, was just IQ stuff and maybe a little bit of laziness. <sighs> You got Isaac Okoro in there. You still got Kevin Love <laughs> playing off the bench now. They have Love off the bench and Rubio off the bench. That's so a pretty good start to your bench unit. Uh, and Rubio is a good defensive player as well, and he's played decent for them. I mean, this is a team that could be in the running for a playoff spot in the Cavaliers. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they they started off last season well, then, fall, then they mm-hmm. fell off. So we'll see if this might be a repeat season, but... I don't know, man. It's always hard to predict the bottom feeders at the start of the year. Like, nobody would have predicted the Knicks to even make the playoffs last year, let alone get a four seed. Cleveland's a team to watch out for. Uh, that's that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to be bold and say they're going to make the playoffs. I still don't know what in the world this team is. I mean, they're playing Lamar Stevens 21 minutes off the bench. He's one for six with only two points, but he's also a plus 15. So, <laughs> I don't know what to make of this team. But that's two really good defensive games against two good offensive teams in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's good or bad that the Clippers didn't show up tonight because um, we saw how their attitude was after not winning a game mm-hmm. in our game but yeah so but we should have we should be mad very good they test. beat us last yeah. game we play them yeah. next game so yep. it's kind of weird to, to play them that soon mm-hmm. like have a game in between so they were led by uh, Batum, who had 16 points. Reggie Jackson had 16 points. They were 6 for 14 and 6 for 15, respectively. Paul George was 6 for 20. So when Paul George struggles like that and you don't have Kawhi, and then, like, Eric Bledsoe's in your starting lineup, and then your bench is inconsistent players, you're bound for some nights like this. Luke Kennard, after crushing us, is 2 for 9 in 33 minutes. He has 6 points. Trey Mann only has seven points. Isaiah Hartenstein in 13 minutes only has two points. So uh, this is this is going to be a team in the Clippers that is going to be hard to figure out because they look great against us. Otherwise, they have them not looked good and have not looked like a playoff team. I mean, they lost the, their first two games were close losses, but yeah, um, they. I mean, I hope this Clippers team from tonight shows up on Friday because it would be nice mm-hmm. to spank them the way they did to us and. Uh, head out on our five-game road trip with a three and two record. That'd be nice. Yep, agreed. Let's look at notable performances. Giannis in his loss had forty points, sixteen boards, seven to six, three for six from three. So uh, that's that's impressive. We'll see over the course of the season where his three-point percentage ends up because his jumper is looking better. Uh, hard to base anything off a of four-game sample size, though. DeAndre Ayton in the loss, twenty-one points. 21 boards, Devin Booker, 31 points. Uh, Fred Van Vliet in the Raptors blowout win has a good game, 26 points, 6 assists, 6 for 7 from 3. And then Trey Young, 
uh, in the Hawks win, had 31.7 assists, 13 for 27 from the field. Let's look at the standings in the Western Conference. There's two undefeated teams left. The Warriors are at 4-0. The Jazz are at 3-0. Portland is up to 6th, Eric. Uh, they're <laughs> in a three-way tie with Denver and Memphis, but we own the tiebreaker over Denver. Or, not Denver. We own the tiebreaker over Memphis because we just beat them tonight. Sacramento's sitting there at 2-1. Dallas at 2-1. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the separation here. Cause you got the Clippers, the Lakers and the Suns, uh, ninth or lower right now. And Denver, uh, had a Jokic injury last game. Uh, I guess that was last night. Uh, doesn't, it looks like it's just a new contusion. Um, but if they have him go down for any period of time, uh, I think they would really struggle and plummet, um, I don't think they can stay afloat if they don't have Jokic. So uh, hopefully for them that he's not going to miss very many games, if any. Um, so that's one thing to look for. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it's tough because I want to get excited after a game like tonight um, in terms of where this could lead to, but uh, that burnt me <laughs> on Saturday. Um thinking that way after the the Suns game but it is encouraging to see them not have two stinkers in a row at least and Mm -hmm. uh, um, come out with this one and uh, and really show how good they can be on the defensive end yep I agree with that let's look at the Eastern Conference real quick you have one undefeated team left there. That's Chicago at 4-0. Charlotte's at 4-1. The Ball Brothers have led their teams to top two seeds. Of course, <laughs> there had to be a tweet about that. Uh, New York, Miami, Washington, Atlanta all at 3-1. Those are three presumed playoff teams. And then Washington, which is a team you got Bradley Beal and you got some decent role players around him. That's a team that could maybe make a push. Milwaukee down there at 7. That likely won't end up being the case. Cleveland there at 8. We just talked about them. Philadelphia at 9. They're at 2 and two we'll see if the ben simmons saga ever has a resolution and they're man they're gonna get mb killed he's just having to take on so much responsibility Mm -hmm. right doc rivers is not the right coach to lead their team romp on twitter is a sixers fan and a youtuber and i follow him man and i just feel for him because i i can tell he's extremely frustrated with the state of his organization right now Toronto's there at 10, Brooklyn at 11. We'll see if they can figure things out without uh, Kyrie Irving and with Harden playing the way he is. Boston, Orlando, Indiana is a team that's struggling. We have coming up soon. And then Detroit at 0-3 is the only winless team in the Eastern Conference. All right, let's look at... uh, I thought I had the the next five games. Let me pull up the next five games here. Uh, Next up, we do have the Los Angeles Clippers. That comes two days from now. That's on the 29th. That will be a 7 p.m. tip-off time. Let me get this up here. Where is it at? 27. There we go. Click that. There we go. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for the random black screen. All right. Uh, Clippers and then Hornets. That's the first game of an Eastern Conference road trip coming against a Charlotte team that's playing well. Here's the thing, Eric. I'm curious to see how that Charlotte game plays out because we've defended point guards pretty well this season. It's going to be interesting to see how we play against LaMelo Ball. Yep. Didn't he miss both games we played against him last year? Or I think Uh, he played in one of them. No, he missed one. I don't remember the other game. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think he played the... I don't remember. Maybe chat can refresh us on that. But you got the Clippers. So a redemption game for Portland, hopefully. And then you start a three-game Eastern Conference road trip, which is weird because normally it's like five games. Yeah, I said five earlier. I meant three, but... Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty short Eastern Conference road trip. And that's the thing. I thought it was longer because I knew we had Indiana after Cleveland. But we come home to face Indiana. So that's kind of strange. Uh to go all the way back from Cleveland to Portland to play Indiana, which is right next to Cleveland. Uh, don't know why that's not a road game, but whatever. Uh, so you got Charlotte, then we get to see the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. They're in a weird state. So that game is on a Monday, so maybe Blazers Uprise Live right before that game. We can have Romp on as a guest and kind of get his thoughts on the 76ers organization. Blazers Uprise Live, if you're new to the channel, is our second channel streaming on Mondays, Thursdays, going live around 3.30 p.m. Pacific time. Link is in the description below. For 4 p.m. tip-off games, Blazers Uprise Live, we're going to start it at 3 p.m. instead. So 30 minutes earlier just because we have the early tip-off there. So get ready for some early games there. Uh, we round it out. That's such an interesting trip, Eric. Three interesting, interesting Eastern Conference teams. Yep. Winnable, but also challenging. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. You look at that Cavs game, like, oh, that should be a winnable game. But they're playing decent basketball right now. Uh, it looks like the most winnable game is actually Indiana, which is a team that I thought would have a bounce back this season. But they've struggled. A couple heartbreaking losses for them. We'll see if they can turn things around by the time we face them in Portland. What is your prediction over the next five games, Eric? Oh man, I don't want to answer that question. I love I love making you do this. I'm gonna say one and four, so I'm it's the opposite of what I said. He's a hater. He's a hater. (laughs) Um I think I think three and two is very reasonable here. Yeah, that's what I said last time. I said five and four. Yeah. How how many games ago did I ask that? Well, it was before the Clippers game, so we're one one and one. We're one and one. Yeah, we still have a chance. So Yeah, so we'd have to win two of our next three, and I think we will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this this team is hard to predict, though, because they'll lose to anybody if they play the way they yeah. did against the Clippers. They can beat anybody if they play like they did the second half tonight or against uh, Phoenix for that entire game. So we'll have to wait and see on how the Blazers do. All right. Any other? I really kick- don't think we're going to go one and four. I, I, I yeah. Chat, chat <laughs> should know better. I just love putting you on the spot and seeing what you'll say. Anyway, uh, any other takeaways from the game tonight, Eric? Well, uh, it's not early from the game, but Adam Smith was asking about Norman Powell. Uh, he was upgraded to questionable before the game and then um, also uh, went through full workout before the game. So I think maybe expect him to play on Friday. If not Friday, I expect him back sometime um, on the road trip. So not serious, I don't think. Um, might be something he has to miss some games every once in a while when it flares up. But for the most part, I think um, he should be healthy relatively soon. Um, and I'm glad we didn't play him tonight and kind of rush him back, uh, just give him an extra day. And it, we ended up winning, so it wasn't too bad. And uh, and then also, if, uh, yeah, California's in here, um, I put him in timeout earlier because he just – was talking about how we need to trade Nurk because he's trash. And uh, so I asked him to have better opinions if you're just going to, instead of just calling players trash. And then he uh, called me like a soft baby or something. And um, so I just wanted to say we're better than that. We don't need to say 
like if that's all you can say about a player is he's trash which he's not <laughs> um that's not an opinion that's just a stupid you're just saying stupid crap so um if you you're more than welcome to have an opinion but um you know calling me names and calling nurk trash is not a, an opinion that's just you being dumb so yeah yeah I, that might be a troll yeah, yeah. Maybe. california yeah uh, that could that could be a troll i'm not sure man but yeah we don't there's podcasts out there that you can do the the whole so-and-so is trash and they'll be like yeah they're trash they're so bad they need to shut up and dribble the ball or just whatever the hell you know what i mean like there there's podcasts out there for for you uh but we like to actually talk about the game of basketball the Mm -hmm. sport the things that happen on the court i know that's like a novel concept for some people but we like to break down the game so if you're gonna have a bold opinion about so and so being trash you better have something to back it up of substance or else uh, it's it's just it's just ridiculous at that point and that's how it is with Nurkic at this point we already talked about it earlier uh so yeah and then if we ask you to have an opinion yeah i'm salty i'm I'm triggered already about the Nurkic thing, and if you were listening earlier, you know that because people were saying he was terrible tonight yeah. and all this stuff, and I mean, he wasn't. Gotta, so yeah, you don't yeah. gotta defend yourself, man. I mean, I, <laughs> we we all agree we're tired. Most most people are tired with ah uh-huh, bread. Yeah, oh, there there there's bread. What's up, bread? Um, anyway. <laughs> The audio of the stream will be on Spotify. It is a pretty long stream tonight. We're going to try and shorten them to two hours. Lots to talk about early on in this season, though. Uh, we will have the audio up on Spotify tomorrow. If you missed the start of it, or if you haven't listened to the end of it much, I don't know. It's just a convenient way for you to catch portions of the stream you didn't miss on the go, or wherever you may be. Uh, that's uh, What commercial is that from? What is that from? Wherever you may be. That's Sean's. That is Sean's. You're right. I was yeah. wondering where that came from because I know that I know I heard that somewhere. I completely forgot though. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out Caleb Pentagraph, two dollar dono. I want hot takes, not a breakdown of what happened. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry, we're, we're not, not Stephen A. Smith and Skip. I Davis. mean, I've given some hot takes, right? I said we. We have too much substance to back them up. They're not hot takes once we <laughs> right. explain them and the logic makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? So. I mean, I'll have a hot take. Cleveland's going to be a play-in team. There you go. There's my hot take for today is Cleveland's a play-in team this year. Uh, so there. hopefully he's satisfied. Hopefully he got his money's worth with that $2 donation. Anyway, we'll be live tomorrow. It's not a Blazer game day, so we won't be previewing a game. We can maybe talk about other storylines around the NBA or whatever. We're going to have picks mm-hmm. against the spread tomorrow. I still continue to struggle early on uh, in this season. I don't know what I was on Monday, but I know it probably wasn't good. I posted the records in the Discord tab. The records are in the Discord. If you want to join the Discord, there is a link in the description box below. If you're not subscribed to the second channel, which we'll be streaming on tomorrow, there's a link for that in the description below. That'll be going live around 3.30 p.m. Hopefully we catch you there. If not, hopefully we catch you on Friday night with a post-game show for the Los Angeles Clippers versus Portland Trailblazers. Hopefully that Clippers post-game stream will go better than the last Clippers post-game stream. If not, uh, then uh, it, maybe it's just a situation where we're going to bounce back and forth on this roller coaster, man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anything else you want to say before the outro? Thank you, everyone who tuned in and watched this evening. And uh, appreciate everyone for being patient with the late start as well. 
Um, but thank you, everyone. We we really uh, until the end there. Uh, everyone in chat was awesome, and uh, it was a fun stream. Yep, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you guys for the support that you give the channel. We will catch you tomorrow over on Blazers Uprise Live. Until then, have a good rest of your night. As always, peace out. Go Blazers!